Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. Welcome to Fandom Power. What's up, everybody? Yo, Wes, Andy, Hank, as you should already know by now. And if you don't, welcome to the show. It's Fandom Power. We are back once again with our uh, fourth, fourth, fourth installment of the little show that we like to call the Book of Boba Fandom. This week, there's some important things going on in the a returning in the, vessel, the character you might almost say. Hmm. <laughs> Lots to talk about about that one, that's for sure. So, do you ever feel like last week we had a uh, a bit of a uh, preamble on sort of the uh, the toxicity and the uh, the fan outrage, as it were, that seems to be going on, still going on, by the way. I've done my, uh, I have definitely pulled back this week. I wanted to, uh, to experience less of that because it's still it's just not as bad on me. the surface. It's it was much more pervasive last week than this week, but sure. it's, if you do turn any topsoil over you'll find it again it's coming up for you and it will come up again today i'm seeing a lot more of the uh the positive stuff like it's great you love it (laughs) and if you don't that's fine yeah i'm like uh, i'm like like what wes said i'm taking a a a different approach this week and just sort of like laughing at what's funny ignoring what's you know uh hateful for the most although this one week uh somebody (laughs) was just saying hey guys don't we hate this more than we hate that? And I just, it doesn't hate lead to suffering like, like the straight up yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because that that's the kind of crap we don't need, you know, I um, just, but yeah. I was pretty quiet this week and, and, and it was a lot more peaceful. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I feel like it's easier if you just kind of take the position of, you know, I've given up trying to argue with you. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think Anakin kind of said it best, you know, just kind of leave that stuff alone because if, if you don't, it's like you fool. And, you know, or you, you have an opinion and suddenly you're dumb. So I just don't get, you know, where all this outrage comes from. And, and I mean, as much as I like to poke holes at things and especially theories and stuff, and, and uh, I like to theorize myself. It's part, it's part of what we do here. It's part of the entertainment, <coughs> the entertainment experience. And I just want to, I just want to be clear as passionate as we are that we, we do this for the entertainment value. It's entertaining for, for you guys, but it is immensely entertaining for us this is a huge part of my yeah week. yeah yeah and this kind of stuff that happens week in and week out i i'm not gonna lie um sometimes we get we we use the term going down the rabbit hole and sometimes we go down the rabbit hole so far we okay. miss something obvious 
But other times you go down there and you find something you were well, looking for. Well, that's true. That's true. And I mean, <laughs> we were so like, I mean, again, I went down that whole like, hey, this clone trooper guy who belonged in the to the Rancor Battalion. And uh, <clears> I, feel like, like, oh, I, okay. I feel like I dropped the ball the most. <laughs> I was right on the edge of it. And I and I was so focused on it. And I feel like I dropped the ball the most, especially wow. considering after the first episode. And I was studying the Dejaric table so hard <laughs> based on the, the crate, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah. and I, I was like, I've seen that somewhere, and well, I was like, I've gone through them all in detail, and the then thing is, my mind was wiped two episodes later. The problem is, we'd never seen a Kintan Strider as a skeleton before. No, it's 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 true. <laughs> it's it's very true. Oh, so I, I know there's got to be somebody out there who watches our show or listens to our show uh, on uh, the audio version, and kind of went. Guys, come on! You're better than this. <laughs> I hope so. Maybe yeah. I, I would listen to their show then. <laughs> so I just I feel that we owe it to the for the fan experience to our the ones who uh, have been following us from the beginning. The uh, the Kintan Strider was first uh, depicted as a hollow chess uh, piece, which later got uh, retconned to become the game that we know as the Jarak. Uh, that was back in 77. They were uh, the, 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 the hollow chess pieces, because I'm going to trip on my tongue every time I say, try to say Dejaric. Mm -hmm. Created by uh, our stop motion uh, wizard, Phil Tippett, along with uh, John Berg. The original pieces were actually scanned, and then they were recreated uh, as practical effects for The Force Awakens. So. Um, yeah, for The Force Awakens and for Solo. So those are actually uh, a stop motion uh, in those two films. And they look great. They look great, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, they were digit digitized for uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Hmm. So a little, uh, this actually kind of ties in neatly to the whole uh, biker gang thing, is that the uh, the Kintan Strider, at least in the old legends, was actually native to the home system of the Nikto, who just happened to hunt them to extinction. Yeah. But the species was able to uh, be preserved off-world through breeding programs and domestication. Well, there, there you go. go. Andy, you talked about uh, <laughs> the Huts having a Rancor breeding program. Yeah. Apparently, there's a Kintan Strider breeding program out there for real. Well, somewhere <laughs> there's got to be, like, uh, you know, yeah. repopulation my... efforts. Welcome to my Tauntaun farm. There you go. <laughs> well, wasn't Queel rocking one of those farms too? He did, but he was uh, uh, he was uh, catching and domesticating blurgs. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't yeah. know if he was breeding them. It seemed like he was out there because I mean he was just like, hey, I'm going to take the blurgs. You know, Mando's like, you can have them. Hmm. So presumably, he, he did know a bit about their breeding practices, though. Uh, he did at that. That's yeah. so true. So at some point, he'd have a big enough population to start selling some. All right. This week's episode, it's uh, it's called the uh, the Gathering Storm. Debuted uh, Wednesday, January nineteenth uh, in the year twenty twenty two. This week's uh, runtime is forty nine minutes with credits, or forty two exactly without. Uh, again, there is no post credit scene, and once again, written by John Favreau. This week, it's directed by a gentleman by the name of, uh, and forgive me if I'm saying this wrong, uh, Kevin Tenkerowin. So if you're not familiar with that name, or maybe you are, uh, Kevin was the creator and director of the Mortal Kombat Legacy web series, Neat. along with directing 16 episodes of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., as well as various episodes of The Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, and Titans. So well-versed in, in the genre, I'd say. 
We won't hold shield against him. <laughs> well, it depends no. on which episode it was, right? No, that's I just, true. No, I just gave just, up. It's sort of an inside joke here at home. I totally gave up on it after <clears throat> season one. It kind of disappeared from the rotation. I don't know if it got moved around. Yeah. But it became so hard to keep up with. I'm just like, no, it's it's okay. Maybe later. And maybe later is still <laughs> right. Maybe later. Right. Even for free, I haven't returned to it. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think of uh, just, just, uh, Cursory off the top of your head, what do you got for this uh, this week's episode? Sort of, I kind of, I kind of like this, uh, like internally shutting up the haters almost. Like everything uh, they yeah. start to whine about kind of gets addressed. It does. It and, happened uh, last week, and it and happened it, again. This it week. happened again. So I, uh, I, I was right on track with that. Um, I mean, big moments in this thing. Big, yeah. big, huge, yeah, yeah. huge things. Like, uh, you know, I, I thought occurred to me too. It's like there's a line in the very first episode where he just, he just sort of casually drops the line and he says, uh, the dreams are back. And, and therefore yeah. everything that happens in the past is, is yes, the past, but is it, is it absolutely the gospel past the events as they occurred or are, is it like his dreams informing him memories of the past? So. And so it's, it's easy then for me to believe that maybe he doesn't remember how he got out of the Sarlacc pit and that all he has is our flashes from a dream. And yeah, maybe it was more I mean, involved than what we saw on screen. We know that, uh, or we surmise basically from the inform- the new information that's been presented to us for the show. And we had a, we had a talking point on that, how long we thought that he was down the, down the Sarlacc for. And, and we thought that, you know, probably less than 24 hours. Right. Yeah. I still I mean, say that. I agree. I agree with that. And it, the whole oxygen supply thing. I mean, you, it was right there in front of the screen for you, everybody as he, <sighs> Yeah. The man had Took to have breath. been, uh, you know, hypoxic. And I mean, if you've ever seen or have experienced hypoxia yourself or seen somebody who suffers from it um, because of oxygen displacement, it's very disorienting and it can be just this like weird, like what happened? I don't know what happened. Yeah. So I think that and shock and, you know, and the fact that he really actually just ever tells us to our faces via Shenick, these are dreams. Yeah. And so perhaps there is more to that story. He just is showing the parts that he remembers through a dream. The highlight reel, as it were. Can I? Yeah, add right, some, can right. I take? Can I take a second, a few seconds? I mean, I could bring it up when it happens in the episode, but we're we're mm. at it now. So let's talk about it now. I want to add a little something. Uh, I want to dip into legends a little bit, and I want to tie that into something we talked about last week, particularly where his dreams, the uh, the 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 frog, the vision quest, uh, the lizard, the lizard vision quest. The guy yeah. the lizard. Sure, sure. All of these things, again, they're sort of tied into this spiritual uh, journey and this this character evolution of Boba's character. And I had said last week that I wondered if maybe that the dreams were, at least the childhood dreams, were setting up something something bigger. But how that relates to the Sarlacc, I'm, I'm going to touch into legends about how in Star Wars Legends that the Sarlacc was a telepathic creature. Mm. You think there's a chance that maybe there, you know, that there's some of that still in there? We just haven't you know, we, they haven't explicitly told us and that part of the dreams and part of the vision quest was actually fueled by a, a, a telepathic little tentacle in there kind of saying, Hey, maybe it's possible. They might've dropped that though, before they killed it again, which could, I, I agree with you. That. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you on that. But I mean, for everybody who's complaining, like, how does he not remember that he climbed out of the Sarlacc wearing it? Yeah. Well, maybe he just doesn't, maybe he doesn't. No, that's I, yeah. I I think it's probably just sort of inconclusive how he got it, sure. especially if he's dreaming 
at this you know while he's got the lizard up his nose and it's like a like you know he's not dreaming necessarily but hallucinating certainly yeah uh and that sort of gray line between those two things when you're really really uh high for for whatever it is don't do drugs kids <laughs> that's um, true <laughs> uh you know that and he's picturing himself fading in and out of the the uh you know and that's the 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 armor and it's symbolic of him being in like two states you know yeah and i was yeah, talking yeah. about this with lauren this is such a big like now that we've come full circle and we did that little flashback to a uh, sort of like synopsis of how he takes the throne right in the middle of the episode right so, right we were we, like this is boba fett died guys when he went into that sarlacc pit in 1983 he absolutely died that's right and in yeah. 2022 he was reborn and what we saw with the tuscan raiders is his new origin story yeah, and we get a we get a nice little piece of dialogue this week that actually informs us. Uh, again, it's still kind of vague, but it's like if you thought that episodes one, two, and three that those those uh, dream sequences were sort of right, on you know, in in the the days and or weeks. Uh, guess again because no. we now know that he spent a considerable Years. amount of time with them, much more than maybe the show kind of tells us. Of course, it's all off camera, but. Yeah, we got we get the Cole's notes version of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so and and that way, then nobody has any any legs to stand on to say whatever happened before. Even if they knew the guy sitting in a bar that he was their best friend after five years of that, uh, such a different life. uh, You're you're a you're a different you know uh, uh, (laughs) you're a different clone. You're a different human being, uh, uh, or whatever you are, you're different. And so he's different and he's, he's, he's He's now learned he's wise and he's patient and he's not as bloodthirsty and he's sure, you know, all these things that, uh, like having an, uh, you know, living with in nature, having sort of a spiritual lifestyle is going to alter you dramatically and profoundly. It is. Yeah. 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 One of the, uh, one of the, I mean, several, uh, outlets had said this week that, uh, the Mandalorian is a better Boba Fett than Boba Fett is. And, uh, you know, that goes right back to the whole, if you take the helmet off, you take away the mystery. This isn't the same character we grew up with. Okay, we've heard it all before. And if I am to agree with that, I will say yes. I I agree with that up until he takes his helmet off. And the second that uh, Din Djarin takes his helmet off, (laughs) you just don't have a leg to stand on anymore. So if you're not yeah. if you're not in it to to see these characters grow and develop, and if they're not growing and developing in the way that you want them to, then you might as well write your own show. Like yeah, or write just watch show. Watch Empire over and over, sure, and, over sure. and over and over and over. Or just put on the uh, forty seconds of falling into the Sarlacc on a loop, and just remember that that that's your Boba Fett. There right. you go. All right, you know we're just poking at you. We love you all, <laughs> except for the ones we don't. <laughs> but we do love Ming Na Wen. We do, yes. Her presence on social this week, saying basically echoing what we came up with with uh, the yeah. throwback to American graffiti, and she had a lot of positive things to, to say. I mean, uh, Tem's Tem's words were a little more, you know, kind of curt, you know, like you can't just you can't just say I'm not going to work with these people, like, and I, and I don't even think he needed to say that, really. I mean, of course, you're you're there to do a job, but it's not about. It's not about who you're acting with or the script you've been given, although ostensibly it is, because even Mark Hamill, who had gone out and said, hey, this isn't the Luke Skywalker I know, but I'm an actor and I'm here to do a job. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do with that? Yeah. Do the best you can. All right. You want to get into this? You want to let uh, get into the breakdown? I think so. All right. Here we go. Uh, so first of all, the episode uh, begins 
uh, as we uh, fade into uh, Boba's private quarters. Once again, the would-be crime lord is laying peacefully in the white bactopod that we've all become so familiar with. Closing in on uh, Boba's face, we can see the familiar twitch of REM sleep. And once again, we're transported back to Tatooine, saddled atop his bantha. Fett crosses the sands of the Dune Sea once more. <clears throat> As they pass the skeletal remains of a bantha, we are reminded that Tatooine is a merciless world for the weak. Then, having reached his destination, a dismounted Boba creeps forward to crouch down behind a rocky outcropping overlooking the backside of Jabba's palace. It's an angle that we don't very often see. And one thing I will say about this episode is we get several. There's a few different angles we get that it's like, oh, and so. This place is huge. It is. It's massive. I'm going to go back to the the private quarters thing, Hank, and I'm going to concede that it is part of the main rotunda. No, yeah, absolutely is. If it's not part of the main rotunda, then I don't get it because. This week clearly establishes when they're standing on the balcony watching all the Dons drive away that the, the their spires are not directly attached to the main building. None of them are. No. And, and I, from some angles, I thought maybe they were. The the probe gives us a really good shot of the spiral staircase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the only the disconnect for me was that that the trip with the Gamorians and, and Black uh, uh, and Tan looked yep. shorter than it was. Yeah. Uh, in fact, that that's a long uh central painful spire. I, think, yeah. I think that tied back into the the dive part where it's like they missed several stairs on the right. way down yeah and kind of hit mid yeah you really way. get to see that several stories oh, yeah. of spiral yeah yeah yeah, 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 in, yeah in this episode yeah all right well, we get to see our door where the rancor fits through <laughs> yeah we do that's that's true all right, down in the valley, far below the domed palace, uh, Gamorian and Weakwake guards patrol the area just outside a massive doorway. Unslinging his cycler rifle, Boba peers down the scope for a better look as a massive steel gate lifts from the desert floor, sealing off the underpalace. Creeping back from the rocky outcropping, Boba walks several feet back to his bantha, telling her, Not today, old girl. Still too many guards, before leading her off for an evening meal. And as the camera pans up to the twin suns of Tatooine, the daylight transitions uh, to night and the suns shift to reveal the planet's three moons. This is actually kind of a cool thing. I'd forgotten that we've uh, we've seen these before. Mm-hmm. The uh, three moons of Tatooine uh, first uh, their first on screen appearance back in Attack of the Clones as uh, Anakin surveyed the Tuscan camp. They are named. Now, forgive me if I butcher this because uh-huh. my my uh, language ability is not that great we have the moon and it doesn't tell me which order they're in but we have the moon of gomorasan guermesa and chenini and this is a new one for me all of these are named after towns uh in tunisia as is the planet tatooine itself so uh, there we go there's a map of uh, tunisia and then uh we break that down a little further and we bring we come in basically the uh, the tat the tatooine governorate and uh, yeah, so uh, if you ever wanted to visit uh, Tatooine and the Three Moons, it's only about an hour and six minute drive, <laughs> at least according to Google Maps. <laughs> Once you're there. That's right. Never mind the whole got to get to Africa thing. Yeah. Right. All right. Later that night, sitting around a small cooking fire, Boba shares a small animal, likely a scurrier with his bantha. 
It's a bit of a heartwarming moment with the bantha wagging its tail, which makes them now more, I guess, pet-like and less beast of burden. Uh, and then the other thing I wanted to uh, to touch on with that is um, that officially <clears throat> makes banthas omnivores. Mm-hmm. And that's a new thing because uh, up until now, they've always been depicted or at least presented as strictly as herbivores. And uh, even in this, the way that they show the, the the thing to be chewing, it's very cow-like. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, is Boba's Bantha a cannibal? <laughs> <laughs> Treat. Uh, and you yeah. pour it in a storm. <laughs> That's right, right? Suddenly, Boba's attention is drawn to the night sky when flares begin to pop off in the distance. With the musical cue from the Mandalorian theme, we know that these are the flares fired off by Din Djarin and Toro Calican in The Gunfighter. Yeah, I stood up. <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Quickly breaking camp, Boba rides out to investigate the flares, but when he gets there, all he finds is the body of Master Assassin Fennec Shand face down in the sand. Turning her over, Boba discovers that as close to death as she is, Fennec is still alive, so he sets about to secure her to the back of his bantha. Then we cut to our title cards, and we move on. I got to say this week I slept on the couch so that I could watch it at 4 a.m. on the big TV <laughs> instead of my phone. Yeah. Is it four? It's 4 a.m. for you because it's of the 4 hour. It's 4 a.m. for me. Yeah. yeah. It's a good oh. strategy though. I'm up at 5.30 for work anyway, so it's not that big a hit. If you're pushing it just one day a week, I suppose you can kind of, mm-hmm. I guess it depends on what your work schedule is like. I sort of plan to go to bed early that night. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, three weeks in a row, it's, it's happened. So. If we lived on the West Coast, we could we could take part in some of these midnight watch parties. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not so ridiculous. Although I'm actually probably less tired at 4 a.m. after having slept six or seven hours than right, I right, right, right. have Oh, no, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Four o'clock in the afternoon, I'm like, is it bedtime? <laughs> oh, yeah. Face I down turn, in my coffee. For me, 7 p.m., I turn into goo, just like a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With Fennec's body draped behind his saddle, Boba rides toward the dim lights of a settlement. The sky is just beginning to lighten as the first of the twin suns is starting to rise. Outside a low building on the edge of the settlement, several cybernetically enhanced young people loiter as they watch Boba pull up and unload Fennec to carry her inside. Andy, you had a nice one this week. You uh, pulled off quite a few little details mm. for us here. I didn't dive straight into the the entirety of the graffiti, but uh, a couple of them stuck out. So... Uh... The whole, uh, the, the modifier. Now, uh, what script is that? That is Outer Rim Basic. Outer yeah. Rim Basic. Yeah, yeah, nice job. So it's not just fish bones. It's actually writing on a sign. <laughs> not just fish bones. <laughs> Funny you say that because the skull on that looks like the creature that <clears throat> uh, the, the droids pass in A New Hope. Yeah. All right. And then we've got what looks to be some essentially gibberish in yeah. uh, in the Orabesh. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. So I don't know what uh, I. I'm sure we could figure it out if we got like the other angle of the doorway. Maybe but, uh, missing as much as we are. That's what we got. Yeah. 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 All right. The door slides open and the sounds of electronic music pour out from the interior of the building. Uh, this is clearly a cybernetic chop shop. And as a Boba carries Fennec inside, a few patrons watch as he enters in the corner, a young woman sits leaning on the back of a chair while a yellow dreadlocked man performs surgery on her back. Boba places Fennec on a nearby table. I kind of like the 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 
the atmosphere of this place like it just <clears> screams <throat> it screams tattoo, tattoo play yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It, and i think that's what this is synonymous with like modern tattoo culture and like piercing culture yeah that's that's basically what the idea of these cybernetics are it's just like body uh, modification yeah right yeah, yeah. exactly exactly I guess that brings us to Ooh. our next uh, little piece of language. Yeah, from that the one doorway. really jumped off the wall there. Uh, and the, I don't know if that's a dye or a blood or paint or what that is. Yeah, <laughs> Did but, somebody uh, somebody have an accident on the way out and smear the wall? I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, clear in Orbesh. It's uh, yeah, mod, mod bod. bod. That's a very interesting, uh, interesting way to present that. Show up here to mod your bod. Yeah, yeah. So, aware that someone has just entered the building, the surgeon pauses to glance back at Boba, and derisively he says, aren't you a little old to be here? Boba tells the men that Fennec needs modification, but unimpressed, the surgeon tells him, uh, no walk-ins, appointment only. So, uh, reaching into his robes, Boba places a bag of credits on the surgeon's instrument tray and tells him that Fennec is about to die. Looking at the pouch, the surgeon smirks and he replies, well, you should have started with that. Started with the pouch, I thought, eh? Yeah, yeah. Started yeah. lead with the money. Yeah. Right, exactly. Money talks, yeah. man. Yeah. Money talks. Uh, first on-screen appearance from uh, this gentleman, that is uh, Stephen Thundercat Bruner. His character is credited simply as the mod artist. And if you're not familiar with this gentleman, he was the bassist for Suicidal Tendencies between 2002 and 2011. He uh, also played and produced Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly currently has four solo albums in the latest one, uh, 2021, uh, 2021's it is what it is. Yeah. And th this scene, uh, the beat that's playing while they're doing the, the montage. Is it one of his, is uh, one of his lines? Yeah. yeah. That makes nice. totally total sense. Yeah. All right. Turning his attention to Fennec, the mod art, uh, artist activates a self cauterizing scalpel and opens up the unconscious woman's midsection. In a surgical montage sequence reminiscent to something that, you know, maybe we'd see in a Rocky movie, mm -hmm. the mod artist painstakingly removes Fennec's damaged organs and fits her with mechanical replacements. The <clears> top middle there in that image, yeah. top, that's the uh, echo uh, we were promised from the action figure leak. Oh, that yeah. is the, that does look like it, doesn't, doesn't it? it look similar? Yeah, yeah it really does. <laughs> yeah. The procedure is both garish and fascinating all at the same time, but if nothing else, the mod artist is professional as he tests each component as it goes in. Uh, the other time, what's the other time we had a surgical montage, Andy? Uh, probably not since Vader was. I was going to say Revenge Vader. Sith, Vader. Yeah. <laughs> montage! Was 3PO's, was 3PO's uh, uh, brain wipe a montage? And, and I don't know. Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I don't remember that Possibly. movie well. <laughs> he just takes one last look at his friends. Probably we spent it, a yeah. lot of time this week. Uh, one of the things we all kind of riffed on was like, hey, it looks like he's got a battle droid hand. Yeah. Well, there's the, the mods hand uh, up against both a B1 and a B2 battle droid. It's right. certainly in the family somewhere. Uh, it, I, yeah. I spent a lot of time on this, more time than I should have. Me too, yeah. <laughs> Most of the, the the super battle droids I found mostly had the closed fingers versions yeah, of the hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's some it's in there somewhere. For sure. I was looking at the commando droids and then the uh, the the uh, what do you call them the, the the droid generals the the strategy droids. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're all in that same family. That's right. Yeah, BX series commando droids or uh, super tactical droids. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I was leaning to, but there just wasn't enough for me to say yes, it is or no, it isn't. I never looked at K K2's hands. I never even knew. Uh, I didn't either, no. 
No, I think he's more spindly, though. Yeah. All right. When the procedure is complete, Boba asks the mod artist if he's going to close Fennec's surgical site, but he just grins and rhetorically says, and cover all that beautiful machinery? All right. With the sun rising, we've now obviously transitioned to another uh, location now. And the sun, with the sun rising, Boba tends uh, to a small campfire while Fennec lays unconscious nearby. Slowly, she begins to awaken and begins to uh, take in the situation. At first, Boba appears blurry to her, but as she clears uh, the fog from her head, he comes into focus. Seeing the, uh, the master assassin has regained consciousness, Boba cracks back a, a black melon and he offers it to her. Telling, the, telling her that it will help her recover. Then Fennec notices her midsection and shockingly says, what did you do to me? He tells her quite simply that she was dying from being shot in the gut and that he saved her life by taking her to a mod parlor on the skirts uh, or on the outskirts of Moss Eisley, adding, it was the best I could do under the circumstances. <clears throat> As Fennec drinks from the uh, Black Melon, Boba announces, uh, you are Master Assassin Fennec Shand of the Mid-Rim. And Fennec looks over at him and says, I guess I'm worth more alive. Boba stares long and hard at the woman, telling her, you are. Thinking she's the prisoner of another bounty hunter, Fennec tries to bargain her way out of the situation by offering to pay double the bounty on her head. But Boba strikes her down, telling her that he doesn't want money. Quizzically, she looks at her captor and asks, who are you? And the man plainly answers, I am Boba Fett. Fennec dismisses his claim, exclaiming that Boba is dead. But he tells her how he was left for dead, just as she was, and that the Sand People took him in and treated him as one of their own. Painfully, he, reco he recounts that even though he tried to help them, all he ended up doing was to get them killed by a Nikto speeder gang. <clears throat> Fennec is surprised at that, and she says that it's highly unlikely. So early, we're, it's early on, and we've already got a... a a cue from her that there's something afoot here that the, the Nikto, the Kintan striders may not have done this independently. Right. Which we've already suspected anyway. Yeah. But Boba pushes the conversation forward, telling her that he wants to help, uh, wants her to help him recover his ship from Jabba's palace. Fennec points out that after Jabba died, Bib Fortuna took over Jabba's territory and rules from the palace. She adds, if the ship is yours, why don't you just ask for it back? And Boba tells her, because I might not like the answer. Without my armor, I'm less persuasive. <laughs> <laughs> know your limits. Yeah. Now with the knowledge of who Boba really is and what he wants from her, Fennec realizes that she has some leverage. And she looks at him squarely and says, if I help you, then my debt is paid. Boba, knowing that he doesn't really have any more bargaining power, agrees to her terms. All right. Uh, he also says to her at one point, though, uh, with the black melon, yeah, you'll grow to like oh, it. Uh, you'll and eventually uh, you'll crave. You'll it. crave it. Yeah, yeah. Take so, some getting used to, but you'll grow to crave it. So there's addictive properties within that thing too. Is it addictive or just? I, I think it's a. I don't know. Maybe it is an addictive thing. Yeah, I don't crave, know. Maybe. Just crave it like you crave water after. Like you know. I, I want some tang. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather have that than anything else at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly water exactly oh where are we at uh there we go after a long ride across the dune sea boba and fennec make it out to the ridge at the back of the palace where he had observed the gate in the previous sequence this time fennec uses her rifle with its significantly more powerful scope to check out the area 
A few guards do loiter outside the hangar, while a few more stand just inside the open gate. Along with a few uh, re uh, repulsor skiffs, Boba's ship is indeed inside the hangar. All right, and uh, this is what I was able to pull out of uh, her, her scope this week. Um, we only get really one one uh, piece of script that makes sense to fly. The rest, again, kind of gibberish. Well, aim, you know. Oh, aim, yes, I guess so. Aim, fly. And then maybe Mar, I don't Mark, SRC, I'm not March. 100% sure. Maybe. Uh, and then on the bottom, we get this, like, RSJ. And then the thing to the left of that is just, like, an indicator light. It's not even a, a symbol. Uh, and then clearly we can see the uh, the skiff, and apparently the there's a lot more of them yeah. than what we saw in Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. There's at <laughs> least there's at least three of them there. Those are the uh, Bantha Two cargo skiff. They've been uh, released several times across the uh, the toy line. Haven't got a six inch scale one yet, though. It's probably the best we could ever hope for. <laughs> <clears throat> so Fennec confirms to Boba that the ship is there and uh, when she asks him if he has any idea how many guards are there he tells her that he can't tell every time he gets uh, every time the gate opens some uh, guards come out and others go in with that Fennec says well let's take a closer look she slides out the butt plate of her rifle revealing a small spherical probe the probe lifts off from Fennec's hand and speeds toward the hangar as the heavy gate begins to la uh, lift back into place all right, so this thing moves pretty fast, and uh, oh, but I just want to uh, touch on this for a second. <laughs> how many, how many more tricks are in the back end of that rifle? Wicked Swiss Army uh, rifle. She's got a throwing knife on one side. She's got a, awesome. a slide out probe awesome. droid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anybody, uh, anybody have any problems with the lights that were on this thing? I did not. <laughs> oh man, I, I didn't. I mean, I what just the called... heck is wrong with people. Suspension of disbelief, guys. Wow. I'm totally okay with this it. This one, this one actually, it was one of the few <laughs> that I went, oh, that's crazy. Why couldn't it have been in the ultraviolet <laughs> spectrum? Might have been more effective. Who I'm, cares? With, a, with a Romulan cloaking device on it. <laughs> Flying past Gamorreans, they're not going to notice. We oh, get a pretty man. cool view of the, uh, like the uh, the fish eye lens view as the probe speeds in towards the uh, the the gate. Now, uh, I, I went through this, and I, I frame-by-framed it, and I got every letter combination that it displays on the way in. So none of them make any sense except for the middle one, the very right. first one, which says ghost. And I thought, well, what a cool little thing. Like, it's in ghost mode or something, right? Mm. Like, don't be found, despite having red lights all over it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All right. Uh, fit, uh, flitting through the hangar gate just as uh, it closes, the remote probe begins its survey task. Coming up through a grate in the floor, the probe flies down several corridors, staying out of sight as enc it encounters various guard personnel. Back on the ridge behind the palace, Boba releases his bantha while Fennec cleans her rifle. It's another tender moment as Master and Beast share one last act of affection, Boba petting the bantha vigorously while it licks his face. And when the beast walks away, Fennec says, shouldn't you have waited until you get your ship back before you do that? Whatever the realist, Boba comes back with, why? Either I get it or I die trying, adding that soon you'll be free too. As she finishes reassembling her rifle, Fennec asks Boba what's next for him. Unsurprisingly, he says he's going to find his armor. But what is surprising is what comes next. Then I'm going to kill that bloated pig who double-crossed me and take his throne. 
So I, I guess I missed it on the, my first watch through. I'm just like, Oh sure. I mean, he's just talking about taking over the throne, but then it's like, wait, double cross. When did Bib Fortuna ever double cross Boba? Wow. <laughs> Read comics, kids. <laughs> the best thing I have from this is that it is most likely a reference to uh, the War of the Bounty Hunters issue number one, uh, in which Han Solo, still encased in carbonite, is stolen by other bounty hunters from Boba Fett. Although Bib Fortuna tells Boba that Jabba placed a bounty on his head for taking too long to deliver Captain Solo, it's implied that Bib, in fact, was the one to put a bounty on Boba to make him look bad in the eyes of Jabba. Hank, you've read that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, and I was in the middle of rereading a lot of that stuff. I was going to um, say, is, is there any more that uh, you want to add to that? I mean, not terribly, just that um, that's that's probably the source of it. Also, yeah. there's, I mean, there's a little line that's like, maybe it's just an inside line because he says, uh, talks about him being bloated, so... And maybe the rumors have gotten around too. You know that uh, that Bib Fortuna is certainly he's heard that that he's in charge and yeah, and probably about his girth and other things, and certainly about his lack of control <laughs> over things. So it, it probably stems from a few things, but I would I would think certainly if there's any betrayal, it's probably yeah. that moment. Uh, and yeah, uh, they, there's no love lost between those two characters. Really, no, certainly not. Yeah. Chances are he's being carried around just like the. Uh, the huts yeah so yeah he's yeah. playing he's doing that whole he's yeah he, he's playing the role and yeah and we know we know from casual conversation he just doesn't have the the straight power to to right. secure the whole you know just to step in and rule so he's got to you know play this guy against that guy and he's he's a, a sort of a more smarmy uh uh gang boss if you will then then even java yeah, that kind of comes up uh later on during the dinner party and it and it ties into what we were talking about last week about you know, you spend them that many years as uh, as the major domo to a crime boss, like you say, you got all the you got all the security codes, like you you've got you know all of the day to day operation side of things kind of down pat. So, sure, it made sense for him to uh, step right in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I can't encourage if you guys you know if they ever do like a, like a an omnibus or something maybe or do a, an animated. Uh, comic or i really encourage everybody to check out war of the bounty hunter stuff there's a lot of like it, it bleeds into all the other star wars stuff that's going yeah. on like darth yeah, vader yeah. and the regular story and dr afra and it's like uh marvel's or star wars's first marvel style crossover where it brings oh, right, characters right, right. from all the issues from all the star on. wars titles that they're running um, but oh, it's fantastic man. it's a great detailed look at what boba fett was like before he was raised by the sand people yeah and um and like such like cool elements like pit fighting like boba fett pit fighting spray painting his armor black so nobody will recognize him in pit fighting oh interesting calling himself Django and yeah yeah stuff yeah. like that yeah just great stuff all right. So, and then the, uh, uh, the last thing, uh, here as we're sitting around the, uh, the fire is, um, incredulously, uh, Fennec, she says to, after he says, I'm going to kill him, she says to him, you want to head a Gotra? And so now I, I'm going to talk about this for a bit because we, we talked about this offline uh, sort of earlier on this week about exactly what a Gotra is. And we had a, we had a little bit of a discussion <laughs> so, um, there's a, there's a line I was looking for other star Wars references to the, the term Gotra and we, we've, we get one. The only one that I can think of is the one we get from the Mandalorian, which I'm just going to in live action. hundred percent yeah, yeah, live yeah. action. hundred percent. 
I've never seen a Mandalorian there. Mine information is good, I tell you. The city almost fell, though. I swear it by the Gatra. Right. So there we go. That's uh, uh, John Leguizamo's character, Gore Koresh, uh, back in The Mandalorian, talking to Din Djarin, where he swears by the Gatra. And so that kind of took me for a little bit of a loop because the other big reference to Gatra in Star Wars, I don't know, Hank, if you want to touch on this one, the uh, the droid Gatra. Right. So, okay. Um, it's first mentioned, first mentioned in the Tarkin novel. Yeah. Um, they're basically, uh, think of like uh, activists, like hippie, like, not hippies, but like activists, like, like, um, a violent version of Greenpeace, if you will. They like, they want human rights, and they want they want uh, they want you know free the whales and and all these other like things that are great on paper, but they're the way of going about it is just just horrible. You could so the, almost picture L three three seven as being part of she, that. She was so she would so vote for them or yeah. work for them in a, in a heartbeat. But basically, think of them as a droid crime boss family. Yeah, yeah, and they, uh, their their primary interest is. Uh, droid uh rights and freedoms because they are really realistically slaves and we yeah, could get yeah. into it we could do a whole show on the way droids are portrayed in star wars um but they're they're a real threat like they're a threat to the empire they're a, they're still a threat to the new republic they're they're one of the major players in in the galaxy um, right right and they have factions like the the um the guavian enforcers from the Oh, the, the Force the, Awakens, the Guavian Death Gang, right? They're uh, yeah. so they're, there's a they're, they're all cybernetic or enhanced beings as well, and so um, at one point they actually they actually um, plan to steal all the data in the galaxy. Oh, that's like like, what, they, like we're gonna hijack the internet, all the internet in the galaxy, <laughs> and therefore they'll use all the information to be able to take down all the other crime families and the you know the uh, the right, fledgling. Right. Uh, I believe it's the empire at the time and stuff. Sure. And it, sure. and um, you know, and Dr. Afro, who I'm really hoping we get a live action version of uh, eventually. She's a great character. And I talk about her a lot, but um, uh, the, the, her two droids, the, uh, the assassin droid and the torture droid, are, she's, yeah. they're, they're, they're meant, they were designed to, for her to transport to the Gatra, the Gatra. And yes, the and, droid Gatra. Uh, and the triple zero, who's a really, you know, it's basically a black C-3PO with, uh, you know, instead oh, yeah, of fingers, yeah. he's got murder weapons and stuff. <laughs> great, kind of crazy, twisted character. Like a um, cook droid. Carries a program <laughs> inside him that will, once they once they get all the data and they release basically him into the uh, the internet, I guess, into if the, you will. The hollow net or whatever. Then all protocol droids yeah. will become torture droids and turn on their human. Oh, wow. You know? So yeah, yeah. this is big plot and... Uh, and actually, Darth Vader, she teams up with Vader and stops it. And the comics are fantastic, fellas. Um, but so the idea uh, is that this is a, the droid Gatra is, is what it calls itself. It's the, yep. the yep. preeminent sort of group of droids that control uh, droid rights. And they, I, I bet you the techno union organization is probably part oh, yeah, of that. Sure, stuff. sure. Um, but I would say based totally based on the, the research that we both did. And when we found out that it was like a, a Hindu word or a yeah, it's a, word. It's a, I've got some of the word origin here. Yeah, uh, do it. Uh, Gatra, uh, Gatra in our own, uh, um, in the real world is a, basically it's a caste system based on a person's lineage segment. This system presumes that everyone uh, is descended from one of seven mythological ancestors, and it prohibits any marriage between two people who are descended from the same ancestor. 
the practice of forbidding marriage between members of the same gotra was intended to keep that gotra free from inherited blemishes and also to broaden the influence of a particular gotra by wider alliances with other powerful lineages. Right. And in that respect, that's where I kind of went, oh, okay, I can see how they've co-opted that to mean crime family. Right. And so when we're talking about the gotra, when that guy swears to the gotra, He's yeah. sp- swearing to a specific group of dangerous people to show yeah, Dinjarin yeah. how serious he is about his information. It's like when uh, she says swearing to the Don. Right. And when she says, you want to run a gotcha, that's like colloquial. Like you want to, what do you want to start a gang for? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's it's the more colloquial version of it. Yeah. I think there's a bigger discussion to be had about that, uh, that as well. And, and I'm going to bring that up a little bit later when they uh, are sitting around the fire in the next sequence, because there's a, we get a whole lot more emotional uh, character development here that I want to touch on that, that takes us back to the, uh, the, the Boba Django connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. So where am I at here? There we go. Um, when, Bo- when Boba says, why not? Fennec replies, uh, you're a hunter, but Boba continues by telling her that he's tired of working for idiots who are going to get him killed. He tells her that when the Tuscans took him in, he was ready to leave hunting behind. Fennec looks at him and says, uh, people like us don't get to decide when we're finished. Just then, the miniature probe droid returns. All right. With the droid recovered, Fennec has it play, uh, play back its findings. The droid activates a small hollow projector and begins to lay out an interior rendering of the entire hangar level, including the marked spots uh, where all the guards are. Now this, I don't know about you guys, this hit me like like a like a brick I, it, to me it was just obvious but um did you guys remember prometheus <laughs> <laughs> last time we talked about ridley scott it was not very favorable but uh this week holy cow man i mean uh prometheus all the way back in 2012 did something very similar to this with the uh, these the mining probes they called them pups mm-hmm. that's what they called them and uh it's unmistakable that there is a there's a similar vibe there for sure yeah 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 but it gets even better because <laughs> as i was looking up the uh, information for pups i got the original concept art for them put that up against fennec's probe <laughs> and kind of went oh my so i could not find a name in the credits to see you know if there was a common uh, production no. designer or artist or it could VFX be shot. person it could be man. shots fired because ridley was just you know, talking well, trash the other a couple of weeks ago for no good reason. He just mentioned it. Like, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And a lot of people are like, "What well, wasn't he offered and couldn't do it or something bitter?" Couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, One of the Star Wars maybe things. that perhaps is a subtle shots fired. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Uh, what do we got here? Yeah. Okay. So that was the uh, the Prometheus concept. Yeah, that just caught me off guard. I was like, That's "Holy funny. cow!" Good eye, sir. With the realization that the guards number somewhere uh, around 20, uh, Boba says that there are just too many. But that doesn't seem to bother Fennec so much because she says, well, then we'll time their patrol and go in quiet. Now, uh, later on, with their eyes on a nearby sewer grate, Boba and Fennec keep an eye on two Gamorrean guards patrolling nearby. When the guards complete their pass and walk back the other way, Fennec and Boba make a dash for the grate. Using a tool, Fennec dissolves two of the bars on the top side and is able to kick them in, and the two swiftly make their way inside. Did this tunnel have any Helm's Deep vibes for you? Oh, as they were going through the sewer? Yeah. Mm. Nice. 
Instead I of running not. in with a bomb, we're just going in quiet. Yeah, I didn't think about that because, as you say, the, the bomb thing was a lot more. Yeah. Rest in peace, you noble orc. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the camera rises through the floor, and we find ourselves in the kitchen where uh, an EV series droid stirs a pot, and a COO cook droid chops vegetables at a nearby table. A one-eyed sorghum frog tries to climb out of the pot, but the EV droid knocks it back in with a spoon. You guys remember uh, the planet uh, Sorgan? We saw Sorgan for the first time. It was the planet that Mando, uh, this was the, uh, the, the, the real, the Seven Samurai episode where they fought the, the, uh, the gang off with the ATSD. Yeah. Yeah. The sorghum frog is actually the native species to that planet. We saw Grogu try to eat one. Mm-hmm. And when, when the kids started laughing at him, that's when he, he spit it back out. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool little nod, though, to, uh, uh, to the toy line. The Sorghum Frog did not actually get a name until the Black Series uh, named it as one of Grogu's accessories. Nice. So, Sorghum Frog. All right. The, the cook droid, it's a COO series cook droid. We first saw that guy back in Attack of the Clones, and he was, like, <laughs> flipping pancakes and... Basically doing the no droids as he uh, told R2 to take a hike. That Wait, was on the uh, the civilian ship when they were traveling <laughs> incognito back to uh, back to Naboo. Pulling a little General Grievous with his... Uh, yes. General <laughs> so Cle- other, Clevis. <laughs> General Clevis. <laughs> the other one we have here, it's uh, EV-99. And of course, uh, EV-99, you will remember as the former gang boss of Jabba's droid pool. Uh, later on... Later on, he will go on to become a server at the cantina in Moss Eisley. Isn't he voiced by Mark Hamill in that so episode? In, in that episode, he is voiced by uh, Mark Hamill. Yeah, now, I'm wondering I, if that's... Did, I went back and I watched it. And, uh, well, that is it the same droid? Is it not the same droid? Because the droid in this episode sounds very much like uh, Richard Markand, who, who was the original voice of uh, Richard Markand, David Markand. The actor who played the original droid uh, definitely had that, that voice. The funny thing is though, that, I mean, it was confirmed back when the Mandalorian came out that that was EV 99. Right. So now, now you have this like, wait, but this guy sounds like the original EV 99. I'd have to go back and listen to Mark Hamill's performance. I never did, but I was just wondering. Yeah. He's a pretty good impressionist as well too. So it's a little different, but you know what? If they told me it is, I'd buy it that. Okay. Right, right now. Cause again, this is in uh, in Boba's past, so we're talking uh, what four or five years, maybe more, right? Mm. Between the time that we're at right now and the time, because he's just getting Slave One back, mm-hmm. he doesn't have his armor yet. True, so we're still in that dreamscape past, but we are past the point of the gunslinger. In the present, we are. Yeah. Well, no. Oh, sorry. We're there right now, aren't we're we? Right there yeah, now. We're five That's years after Return of the Jedi here. No, you're right. So. Wow, I gaffed on that one. That's an interesting one, then. So I guess we're looking at two different droids. Well, it's possible he bought like a batch of them. You wouldn't name them all the same name. We'd have to check the credits. He's Jabba, he doesn't care about his droids. I guess not. He smashes them up. You know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Screen Crush called him. Uh, I was watching a Screen Crush. Sous Chef. Called him a different name, and I thought he was just making a mistake. The uh, the 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 credit for the droid is Sous Chef. If you're, uh, it's not even a credit. It's the it's the descriptor in the uh in the subtitles mm. yeah uh they definitely refer to him as a sous chef and i think the other one is just referred to as a uh, as cook cook droid mm. yeah 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 okay um 
<laughs> we just did 15 minutes on a cook right <laughs> <laughs> well, we wondered what was cooking down in the kitchen yeah yeah, yeah last episode we did actually all right so in the pantry a pair of gloved hands lift a floor grate off and slide it to the side with the sound of the metal scraping both droids freeze the cook droid says to the ev droid what was that and he answers i don't know maybe more rats Going back to chopping vegetables, the cook droid instructs the EV droid to go and find it while he contacts the rat catcher. Walking into the pantry, the, the droid notices that the open, the open floor grid and says, uh, I don't think it's rats, uh, then instructs the cook droid to alert security. But just as he's doing that, Boba rushes out from an antechamber, knocking him out with his gaffy stick. Seeing the intruder, the cook droid steps out from behind its workstation and begins spinning all six of its cleaver-wielding arms in a deadly windmill. It's hilarious. Very General Grievous-like. Unaware that Fennec has crept up behind him and using the same tool that she used on the sewer grate, uh, she slices the back of the droid's neck. One by one, the droid arms uh, slow, slow to a stop, and finally the head falls off, landing neatly on a bed of leafy greens that it had just chopped. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, I got the I got Raiders of the Lost Ark's vibe. Do you know where the guy's like flipping the swords around and just Andy just kind of bang? <laughs> just one of those like this is how easy this is. Uh, show off. And she just kind of like she's like, literally like she was. Were you crouched behind that table the whole time, woman? <laughs> Super casual. <laughs> like yeah. hello. All right, I actually found this part quite fun. Satisfied that the alarm has not been raised. Boba and Fennec depart uh, for the hangar, only to stop short when they hear a little whistling noise from down the hall. And it's like literally like a tune, like a <laughs> ducking back into the kitchen on either side of the door. Boba and Fennec see an LEP service droid armed Wicked. with a net walking into the room. As the rat catcher surveys the room looking for its quarry, Fennec and Boba step out from their hiding spots. And when Boba misses it with a swing from his gaffy, the droid makes a run for it. All right. The LEP droid, there's LEP droids that go as far back as uh, 2008, all the way back to the original Clone Wars uh, animated yep. film. 100. Of course, we see them several more times over the course of the Clone Wars series. But if you follow the rabbit hole, and that is every pun, <laughs> every pun intended, <laughs> not only do you have a droid, L-E-P, I mean, we know the French word for rabbit is lapin. So, I mean, there, there's that aspect. But it has now been retconned into canon that the L-E-P droids are manufactured by a company called Cochelle Automata, a droid company that just happens to be run by the Lepi species. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, Jackson, gotta love you. Jackson. <laughs> All right. As the little service droid takes off, Boba gives chase while Fennec watches the door. The sequence is pretty chaotic as the little droid runs, leaps, and crawls its way all around the kitchen, all the while avoiding gaffy strikes from Boba. After crawling through the stone oven, the little droid tries to make a dash for the door, but its escape is blocked by Fennec. With nowhere to run, Boba is finally able to grab a hold of the rat catcher, and he pins it up against a wall by its neck. Asking the droid, do you know who I am? The rat catcher shakes its head, no, and he says, I am Boba Fett. At that, the service droid opens a panel in its chest and promptly shuts itself down. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't stop. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> nope. it's, 
I know that it's a bit of melodrama there. Like, do you know, asking a droid, do you know who I am? <laughs> and then he's like, no. And then he just tells him who he is. And the droid is like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> the droid, the droid equivalent of, of, uh, poopy your pants. <laughs> it's so much more like the droids act in the animated series. It um, is. It's very yeah. much like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it didn't, uh, it, it felt real normal to me. Uh, it was I, great. I thought it was great. I thought the yeah. translation, uh, the translation on this thing from uh, live action to, uh, sorry, from animation to uh, live action. That was great. Oh, I, yeah. I very much like it. And the fact that uh, we see that little guy again at the end of the episode. So we know that uh, he's made it through and he's adjusted to, to life in the palace with his new master. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Dropping the LEP droid into a barrel, Boba and Fennec make their way to the hangar. Rounding a corner, the two step into a long vaulted room, and there in front of them is Boba's ship. Now, I uh, made a point of just kind of ca- trying to capture the the look of him as he's standing there staring. Like, gotta yeah, just take a look at the man's face there, and like, what is going through his head right now? Chewie, we're home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You think exactly. so? Yeah. Something Dude. that much? I get oh. this. Like, I get this big like. There's a familial connection to it for yeah, him. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. It's the, you know, the, between, given wh- where I think that the the emotional connection is, like we talked about the dream sequence and, and the connection that he has to his father. I mean, this is one of two things that he's got left of his father. Like, yeah, right. this has to mean something like <clears throat> it's super important to him. Also so linked to his identity, really. Like, well, this is it, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you want to talk about the name thing? Yeah, we might as well. <laughs> what are we going to do? What do? Where are we going? Where are we on this? What is it? Originally, it was the Slave One. Sure. I, I say it's still the Slave One, and I don't... I do as well. I don't think it's been changed anywhere except for on Lego boxes. And um, Future I, toys, I, maybe? Maybe future toys. Oh, Jesus. Um, Did I just but, that? Oh, geez. <laughs> just the fact that he's... Um, uh, referring to it by its class is yeah. is exactly you know um Luke doesn't call his X-wing princess uh, certainly yeah. certainly at least not after he finds out she's his sister um, <laughs> and 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 because we named the falcon the, the falcon is is it, you know like the lady luck their characters that's right uh, even the razor crest which is a character itself is the is class, class of the of ship. ship. Yes, so it's it's just it it's a naming convention and like you said in the in, when in the military they don't necessarily refer, you know, maybe the people that serve on board the ship refer to that yeah. ship together yeah. that way, but it's yeah. always like, you know, like it's the designation the, well, the, and the, its number. Like, the big one I saw this this week was, you know, and this this is again from a balanced perspective. You don't say we're going to take, you know, let's say I name my car you know, Mabel, we don't say right. we're going to take Mabel. We're going to say we take my car. Right. Or, you know, you might tell your wife, we're going to take Mabel, but you don't tell somebody online. Right, like I'm right, just going right. to hop on. Is Mabel your horse? You name a horse. <laughs> so I don't yeah. think it's, I don't think it's as big a deal. I think people are, are picking an old thing to trigger them because yeah. it's been changed on Lego boxes for almost a year. Yeah. Um, and I, the, telling, the coolest, the coolest telling, thing I think, is like uh, the when there was a, an accident, a misprint or a misquote, or maybe somebody yeah. didn't like the yeah. name back then. 2015 oh, yeah, yeah, Star yeah. Wars Encyclopedia. Twice it was misnamed Clone yeah. One. Clone One. And, yeah. and that's awesome. So if we want to change it, 
that's an awesome name. But I don't, I don't think, I mean, I think it comes down to the same. It's the, it's the corporate culture around the Disney company. And, and just, it's the same thing that they did with slave Leia. Right. Fire spray Leia. We don't, (laughs) (laughs) we don't call her slave Leia anymore. I think she was officially changed to a hot slayer or whatever it is. But they want to get right. rid of that, that connotation. Uh, that's and association that's to what slavery. the Huts call her in the in the aftermath novels. Actually, oh, they do. She's eh? Referred yeah. to by the Huts as the Hut Slayer. Hut Slayer. That's pretty cool, and that's fine. Um, you know, we 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 accept that uh, Slave One is a Fire Spray Thirty One patrol vessel. We we've known that for a long time when it was introduced that way to us back in what the Star Wars Bounty Hunter video game. Mm. But as we were hashing it out this week. You know, the, the fact remains that we do have an on-screen canonical reference to the name Slave One. I think, you know, we, we, could, we could probably, we could play that and uh, we can put this one to rest, I think. Here you go. I hate to agree with Castus, but there's a better way to do this. But Aura! Bosk, fire up Slave One. We're going to blast. And there you have it. So that, uh, that's the Clone <laughs> Wars season season two, episode twenty one, R two, come home, uh, and we've referenced that uh, that episode several times, and we're going to talk even more about that episode today. But that's Aura Singh communicating with uh, bounty hunter Bosk, informing him that they're leaving and uh, fire up Slave One. So, I mean, that is an in canon on on screen mention. mention. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, you know what? If you want to call it Slave One, it's Slave One. If you if they never referred to it by the name Slave One and they just keep saying my ship, my ship, my ship, the reality is that any time that they ever refer to any starship, there's always context. And I, as the viewer, have never been confused as to what they were talking about. Ever. Never. Not once. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. if they never use the word Slave One ever again, if they never say if they never say fire spray gunship ever again, it's fine. Right. Yep. Right. Both are correct terms. It is the context with which they are being used. Perhaps we yep. should be more disturbed by the rumors that when Mando shows up, he's going to be in an N1, in an N1 starfighter. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> Listen, I love, I love the N1. I think it's a beautiful design. Um, For me, that's cool think... because I think he needs a droid to pilot that thing. Doesn't he? Well, yeah, that'd be good. That could be cool. Does Mando, does he, is he a droid, uh, droid wielding? Like, does he need a sidekick? I mean, Grogu God, was I his mean, sidekick, right? Like, I don't know if you took the droid socket out and you put a dome on it and suddenly it was a back seat. That seems more plausible to me. It's probably because, something that was just thrown out there to trigger people. Cause there's a few other it rumors. Very well could were, be. I mean, yeah. uh, we, we've got other Mandalorian things that are going to come up uh, later on in the episode. But yes, Mando is on his way. We know that's happening. Is he going to turn up in a starship? <laughs> yes. Would it make more sense? And this is sort of what I was thinking was, given what's happening right now over on his corner of the galaxy, where he's now in possession of the Darksaber, he cannot just give it to Bo-Katan. Bo is uh, very much focused on the uh, liberation of Mandalore. I don't think it's completely out of place that she would maybe loan him her fighter, which is a bit more meaty. It's a little bigger. The, the, 
I can't think of the class, the thing with the big wings on it, yeah, yeah. but it's a much larger ship. And that just sort of fits with that whole bounty hunter. I need cargo space that an N one just doesn't, doesn't do for you. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time with that dark saber, he's now a leader, right? So let me get your ship. I, yeah, I hear you on that one. I think that the dark saber thing, oh, it's going to play out at some point. I don't think it'll play out in this show. No. I think that that needs it needs I, its own room to you, breathe. If you see him, I think he'll wield it. I don't think they'll explain it, and I think no. that you'll get the ex, just like we got the explanation for what happened to Fennec Shan in this yeah, series. Yeah, yeah. I think you'll get you'll get the the current event, and we'll get a big a uh, big show. And then yeah. I think you'll watch. We'll uh, get the season, backstory in season three of The Mandalorian, right? Because yeah. this is clearly being written like Game of Thrones. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I I had a similar uh, line of thought as well. The only difference is. I thought that there's every chance that he will show up and we'll be like, where's the dark saber that he won't, we won't see it at all. It could go either way. I and won't, I wouldn't be surprised either way. In fact, I like, if he yeah. shows up with an entire yeah. army of Mandalorians, I'll be, I'll cheer from the rafters. <laughs> and if he shows up, you know, uh, half naked, I'll be less enthusiastic, but I mean, let's go. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Uh, do we need to spend any more time on the slave? One thing, did you want me to go through the, the I actually went through the uh, the maritime uh, the maritime tradition of changing a name on a ship. About you know how much like bad voodoo there is on changing a a, a ship's name. Yeah, like, there is this whole maritime uh, uh, superstition that uh, yeah. changing a ship's name is just it's bad yeah. luck. You need you, you need ten it. ten Roman gladiators and the ghost of Steve McQueen <laughs> to do it. So the short version is you must remove all traces of the current name from everywhere on the ship. So anywhere, which means if you've got it on a nameplate somewhere underneath the dashboard, like every trace of the name from every place of the ship, then you must perform a purging ceremony. Then you must do a renaming ceremony. Then you must say a big prayer to appease the four wind gods. Mm. And then you must have a toast to uh, complete the honor uh, of the ceremony. So, yeah, uh, it's a big deal. And because, as we've said before, Star Wars being derivative of so many other things. And and we like to impose sort of those, we like to cherry pick which uh, real world things uh, are allowed to influence our Star Wars. But, like, you can't deny that the real world does influence oh, the show sure. and the films and yeah i but just like, don't think if they're going with the maritime convention you know every ship needs a name yeah i'm yeah. sure if you dig deep far enough like you'll find a name for every star destroyer uh, absolutely there's every... there's probably a naming plaque i mean i know star trek makes a big deal it's right on outside the turbo lift on the bridge of every ship yeah i'm sure there's something similar in star wars whether it's at you at know the same time you don't need it unless you really really need to go find it <clears throat> the other the other right. thing is most except for the falcon and even the classes of the ships um it, i don't even think they were called x-wings in in uh, a new hope originally it was just lock s foils in attack position yeah 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 we didn't get the names for these things until we got toys yeah or trading cards or comics like nobody knew what a twin pod cloud car was right? no and i mean you really Half sort the characters of... we didn't even know their names we didn't you, know you really, Pondo Baba was Pondo Baba till like nearly the nineties. That's right. I mean, up until then he was Walrus Man and he had right? flippers for hands. So <laughs> what's the I, other guy? Snaggletooth. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. they have no legs to stand on, I can't I can't really even walk in the same room with these people. It makes it very difficult to have as a, as I said last week, uh, as a balanced fan, it makes it very difficult to have a, an informed conversation with somebody because 
you're getting yelled at about how your, your thing is invalid while their thing is the only thing that could possibly exist because, well, your thing is just silly. Yeah. Which is really, it's a, it's a good indicator, like time to pull back. Like This, way this back. is my, somebody else's intellectual property. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Lord. Okay. At the sound of approaching feed, Boba and Fennec split up and hide. Two Gamorrean guards come running into the hangar and they start looking for the intruders. Boba drops one with his gaffy stick while Fennec takes out the second with a series of unarmed blows. Uh, given how tough the Gamorreans have been portrayed in the Mandoverse, um, this is really consistent for Fennec because remember we talked about how easily she took out Wrecker. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, man, she's I mean she's dope and keeps getting doper actually. Those Master two assassin for a reason. Those two uh, Gamorreans <clears throat> turned the tide of the the fight with the assassins in the street, right? Mm-hmm. Gamorreans. I mean, back in uh, in the Mandalorian, they were they were uh, that that, Gladiator under, that underground pit fight, right? Yeah, like fighters. We're seeing Gamorreans, okay, Gamorrean guard. They didn't guard anything. They were just kind of bloated, overweight guys that stood around and just squealed. But the the Mandoverse has shown us that they are quite formidable. So for her to like, with like a one, two, three, you're out. Oh, that's really impressive. Yeah, a lot of the comics show you that uh, a lot of these bounty hunters often pit fight for quick yeah. money. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Just to prove their metal and quick money. So it's nothing for uh, like a, a bounty hunter to step in a ring for a couple of rounds just to right, right. grab some quick cash, see who the competition is, and yeah. then and yeah, yeah. it out. All right, time to go. <laughs> All right. But, but it's only good. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, like every other species we've run into now, like expanding so much on the Tuscan lore yeah. and a, a wider window into them, we're getting the same thing with the Gamorreans. Yeah, to a lesser degree. Like, it's think, not yeah. just some, you know knock off bad piggy yeah. no there's, there's more to them there's more to their civilization i'm less only likely ever, to eat them now we only ever see them in <laughs> pairs so it's like they just keep redressing the same two actors <laughs> here put some armor on your suit now no take that piece off no put yeah. this one on put a give helmet that, on give that guy a pillow he needs to be fatter <laughs> that's right <laughs> excuse me all right Taking a moment to uh, appraise each other's handiwork boba and fennec are quickly set upon by several weakway guards who burst into the hangar while indiscriminately firing their blasters to force them into cover. Once the guards fan out, uh, they take up their own cover. One of the weak ways takes aim uh, at the barrel shielding Fennec, revealing his position in the process, and she expertly dispatches him with her rifle. Shouting to Boba uh, for him to press on, she says, I'll handle them. While Fennec continues to uh, bullseye guards, Boba dashes up Slave One's boarding ramp, narrowly dodging the incoming blaster fire. But they're not even close to being out of the woods yet, as more guards begin to pour into the hangar and press the assault. As the newly arrived guards push forward, closing in on Fennec, Boba climbs through several decks of Slave One, finally reaching the cockpit. And while the firefight rages outside of the ship, Uh, He goes through the startup sequence while various panels begin to cycle up. With the guards nearly on top of her position, Fennec takes aim at the power droid walking across the hangar. A double gonky. (laughs) A double gonky. Practical, too. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. Shooting at the droid goes up in a spectacular explosion, taking uh, taking out several of uh, the guards with it. This is an interesting sequence because, like we just said before, um, according to the concept art, the original uh, flight 
the original flight orientation for uh, slave one was was meant to be sort of in the the down the downward position the or the the clothes iron position as it uh, sometimes is called so the fact that they when they changed it to the uh the face up position that they kept all of that interior the way that they rotated it and so now not only does he have to climb through like essentially on walls uh and not floors now he's got a he's got to flip himself into a seat that's laying on its back what was so wicked about that is the uh the kenner toy was you know had that seat that yeah. moved with it gravity fold, it could and, uh, fold down yeah, yeah and the ailerons yeah. would flip with gravity too yeah, and then they, yeah, yeah. they they used that in the season two of mando when they yeah. were all when they were Inside free the in ship. the back of it and they had to like yeah. brace themselves because that as it's rotating gyroscope was flipping around it was just dope yeah, i think it. for yeah i think that you we're, you're not alone there's a bunch of us that kind of went oh that's so cool that we got to see it we get a smaller version of that uh, in this episode when they when they lift out of the off the desert and you can see them rotating back down into in a proper position but yeah, yeah. uh interesting what ha- what comes out of a simple mistake as in like no you've misinterpreted my concept art <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh the concept art does differ for this scene it does and, um uh, it shows boba basically ripping a drop tarp. cloth yeah yeah. Tarp. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 the uh, concept art for the for slave one actually showed up uh later on in the west end games uh, role-playing game as the uh, phoenix the Phoenix uh, Pinnace light freighter, and it actually flew uh, in the in the iron position. Looks the same, but it's where it's more uh, bulbous. Hmm. But yeah, so that stuff uh, found life in another source. Uh, where are we are here? Thought I had my slides all uh, laid out, so I wouldn't lose them. But there it is. As the newly arrived girl. Oh, did I just read all that? I did. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> explosion. There we go. Next one. There we go. Having leveled several guards in the explosion, Fennec gives up her position and deftly takes down three more guards with her rifle. Meanwhile, Boba has now completed Slave One's startup sequence and the ship's engines rumble to life and it lifts off from the hangar floor. Just then, another wave of weakway reinforcements arrive and they charge Fennec uh, and the now hovering Slave One. As Boba throttles the engines to attempt to maneuver, Fennec rolls out of the way of the jet wash, and the weak guards take the full brunt of it, and they all get knocked over. Leaping onto the open boarding ramp, Fennec shouts to Boba, let's get out of here, as uh, she crouches down using the ship's hull for cover. From the boarding ramp, Fennec continues to snipe guards while Boba tries to maneuver the ship. But between the tight confines of the hangar and the rotated position of Slave One's cockpit, the task is not easy, and Boba topples one of the repulsor skiffs in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oops. And like Arnold driving yeah, that yeah, yeah. Uh, Harrier jet. He yells at her. He's like, I can't see a thing. That's what it reminded me of, that scene from, uh, yeah. From uh, True, Lies. True Lies. Yeah, yeah. 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 The impact is enough to knock Fennec flat, and she yells at Boba, what the hell are you doing? And he shouts back, we need to get the gate open, but I can't see a thing. Well, Fennec responds that she's a little busy as one of the Gamorreans has now regained consciousness and is charging up the ramp at her. Fennec gets back to her feet, barely in time to meet the guard, and the Gamorrean bats her rifle out of her hands, but it lands on the deck behind her. But this is Fennec Shand, master assassin after all, and once again, she fends off her assailant barehanded. Serving um, up some roasted yeah, pork. Sending him over the edge and into the jet wash below. 
Inside the cockpit, uh, Boba struggles with the control yoke as a collision warning sounds. Uh, trying to rotate the ship, he drags the tail section into the curved ceiling, knocking loose several large chunks of concrete. He yells out to Fennec that the guns are jammed and he can't get a shot at the hangar gate. Just then, another weak way enters the hangar from an overhead gantry way and is able to jump onto the boarding ramp and he engages with Fennec. Now, as Fennec fights off the guard, she spots the counterweight holding the gate shut, hanging on a thick chain. She yells up to Boba to close the ramp. Now, with the boarding ramp slowly lifting into place, Fennec has to make her move. Grabbing the guard around the neck, she flips him down the ramp, and his momentum carries him right over the edge. With just seconds before the ramp closes, she takes up her rifle and once again displays her immaculate marksmanship by shooting the chain holding the counterweight. The steel block falls to the ground and the gate drops wide open. So uh, maybe Jabba should have spent less money on all these uh, skiffs and maybe more on power doors. <laughs> then he'd still have a rancor. <laughs> Can you have some, di- some dude on the side? You need a rancor to open re- that thing. Yeah, yeah. really. Because <laughs> that thing drops pretty quick. Oh, uh, yeah, as soon as they, uh, she cuts the chain. Yeah. Interesting, though, that uh, we don't often see doors uh, coming up from the, the floor. Mm-hmm. So that, usually that falling cool. back down. But I mean, you know, gravity did its thing and whew, open it was. Yeah. Maybe the Bomars didn't have a lot of tech, you know, but beyond putting yeah. brains in jars kind of thing. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's a big old, brain in a jar old, that runs a crank. Old tech. <laughs> a hamster maybe brain. they had no use for doors. <laughs> Giant there's hamster a, brain. There's a mod kid with a, with a computer jacked into the door. Yeah. Right. It's for you guys. That's for you haters. Moped powered. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It's Vespa powered. <laughs> All right. With the gate wide open, Boba is able to maneuver the ship. Finally, outside of the hangar. Clearing the entryway, he rotates the cockpit into flight position and flies away into the early morning sky. As the ship pulls away from the palace and out into the desert, uh, open desert, Fennec makes her way into the cockpit herself, uh, strapping herself into the seat beside Boba. Ironically, it's the seat that he would sit in many times as a child when he would fly away with his father. Angrily, she says, next time we stick to the plan. Boba rhetorically remarks, next time? Mm-hmm. Fennec a- and then Fennec asks about the, con- uh, the condition of the ship, and he tells her that it's in pretty good shape. Now, <laughs> I want to talk about this, because this, this could come up in uh, future seasons or other tie-in shows. If you are Bib Fortuna and you've got Slave One parked in your garage, do you go out and use it? Mm. And do you do things in the name of Boba Fett because you know that's more likely to get the result you want than saying, I'm Bib Fortuna and you're going to do this? I'm going to say no, just because Fennec says you're dead. Sure. So she is of the belief Boba was dead and Bib was probably riding that too. I think it probably took a while for that to get around, though. Well, even like, hey, look, I got the ship of the mighty Boba Fett. Fear me. Well, this is what I mean. Like, do you do you tell everybody that, hey, I killed him and I've got his ship and it's a trophy? It's Maybe. my new yacht? Maybe. Or early on, do you go like, <laughs> my boss is dead. I'm taking over the family business. And I've got the most feared bounty hunter ship parked in my garage. What can I get away with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you might consider flipping it to the highest bidder, uh, but it, it might be one of those things just to keep the idea of like that he's dead and that he's no yeah. longer a threat uh, in your pocket, maybe. Sure, sure, sure. 
I just thought it was an interesting thought that maybe, you know, he was, you know, that they talk about how he wasn't a great leader and that just seemed like, you know, given how sort of weaselly that character is that he mm. might try something like that, whether he did or not remains to be seen, but it was just a fun sort of little, like, Hmm, I wonder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. So, uh, Fennec tells Boba that there's good mechanics in, uh, Moss Eisley. Uh, of course we know one of them mm-hmm. at this point, uh, but Boba insists that he will do the maintenance himself, adding that there's an advantage to people thinking you're dead. Now, free of her debt, Boba asks Fennec, where would you like to be dropped off? And instead of blurting out a destination, she asks him, where are you headed? When he tells her that he has a few scores to settle, she shifts her gaze forward at the viewport and she says, uh, I'll go along for the ride. All right. And that's how friendship is born. Yeah, well... <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to bring it up again this week, but just keep in the back of your mind that I have all once I have already asked the question, is there more going on between the two of them? Maybe I'm going to ask it again until they tell me, no, I'm going to keep asking that question. Okay. So would, sorry, go ahead, Andy. Did you cheer here? This oh, is, who this is like a falcon. Who moment. didn't? This is the uh, stand up, get out of your couch and scream at your TV like a rabid sports fan Yo, moment. <laughs> Falcor going down on the bullies. <laughs> it really was. Out on the dune sea, the Kim Tan Striders speed across the sand, unaware that they are being stalked by Tatooine's newest bird of prey. Slowly, the Slave One comes into focus, and the chin guns erupt in a gout of blaster fire. One by one, Boba destroys each speeder until only the lead one remains. Was that Emmett? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone wonder... to Emmett's fix-it shop to fix Emmett. <laughs> <laughs> Emmett's regretting putting his name on his jacket right about now. Oh, crap, he can read it. <laughs> he switch jackets, me. quick, quick, switch jackets. <laughs> Taking aim at the leader, the ship's missile bays open and Boba fires a single missile. And with the destruction of the last speeder bike, Boba looks at Fennec and she understandingly just nods at him like, like yep. yeah, <laughs> score settled. <laughs> Guns are unjammed. <laughs> All right. And the next one, this is the one I was laughing at. Uh, you know, for, <laughs> I said this to you, Hank, earlier today, and I guess for the, the viewing audience, you guys don't really know this, but I, I label all my slides because I need a, a way to keep track of them. So I know when to put them up and stuff. And so sometimes most of the time it's like named after a line of dialogue or a, a sequence that we see on film, but sometimes they can be these little, like, like yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, uh, uh, joke, jokey things that only I'm privy to. Cause I'm looking at it. But, uh, in the next sequence, this is the one I like to refer to as the, uh, the wreck of the Edmund Fitz Jabba. <laughs> that we, might be a more canadian reference than i know normal, yeah, yeah. but still good one. so good i wanted to rewrite the whole song i i saw that and i i thought do i have time to put music to that and do it <laughs> <laughs> if no i could time. find a find a karaoke version of that song <laughs> we could have done it on the show <laughs> returning to the pit of carcoon boba passes over the skeletal remains of jabba's sail barge the katana um remarkable that there's actually that much of it left mm-hmm. um so all you uh there's wood in the desert people did you see that did you see how much wreckage is out there that's called yeah. salvage all right swinging around and coming in low uh, boba rotates the ship face down into the pit never really seen a starship kind of no. this sort of orientation before 
you know, like if you took the Millennium Falcon and stood it up on its nose, it would look kind of weird. And it, it does look kind of weird here. He explains to Fennec that the Sarlacc is where he was trapped all those years ago. And that's where he'll find his armor. Fennec questions in there, adding that it's dissolved. But Boba corrects her when he says, not Beska. Nope. <laughs> and that right there, folks, settles an age-old debate. Because all you expanded universe folks, which I include myself, there was that whole argument that uh, Boba's armor was never Beskar, that it was, uh, you know, Durasteel or some kind of alloy or whatever. Okay, case closed. Beskar. All right. Oh, also, years, years ago. Years with the Tuscans, right? So now yeah, right. that's the that whole like, oh, wow, it was a lot longer than what we were observed. At All least right. three to four. Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to go spend too much time on this because we spent a whole lot of time talking about it already. But uh, I'm going to bring it up again. The Clone Wars season two, episode twenty one, R two come home. The case of the helmet bomb. I had uh, I had sort of said earlier on in one of our previous shows that uh, I believed that it may have been a proxy, and I'm going to double down on that and say that I still believe that it is a proxy based on uh, what Boba had just said, that his armor is, in fact, Beskar. Uh, and I say that because if a Beskar spear can survive an orbital bombardment without so much as a scratch, I don't believe that a Beskar helmet would be blown in half by, a, uh, by an explosive design to kill a single person. Well, on top of that, the emotional attachment he shows to the well, ship. Well, again, this is you it. Think he's going to throw that away on a helmet? This is kind of where I was at before, too, with this whole, like, man, the, the emotional connection between him and his father. And we it has been an, an emotional journey, and and there isn't a whole lot left. What do yeah. you do? Like so You hold on to the pieces you have left. If the Mandalorian and this show has told us anything, it's how important that these these things are, this connection to his father the whole chain code thing. Like he, I don't know if you remember uh, Tamora's performance in that sequence, but he, you know, he's like, here, look, this is my chain code. And this is like, he's proving the provenance of why it's his. And he's so passionate about it. Yeah. It just carries over that. Of course, that that's important to him. Well, it's just yeah. like Din Djarin picking up the little knob out of uh, the wreckage. Well, exactly. The argument was made. Uh, I'd mm -hmm. seen it online about how, Locked well, I see him. <sighs> yeah no no that helmet was destroyed it's the same helmet. it can't be the same helmet i'm like well no it absolutely could be the same helmet because if it's that important to him now and then someone said well why would it be important to him as a kid that as a kid he wouldn't pr appreciate the value of it why wouldn't mm. he why wouldn't he because it's no, he's, not like he was just sitting there he was learning well this he was raised I mean. from birth by a mandalorian like uh yeah there's a reason he doesn't go to his father's head this like that's I don't even know if that we've ever talked about that before, but that scene yeah. is really powerful. He doesn't go to his father's head or his father's body. No. Okay. He goes to the, he helmet, goes to the helmet. He touches his forehead to the helmet. Yeah. He doesn't, yeah, he yeah. doesn't cradle his body. Like, so the, the helmet is his father. It's the and identity so, of, yeah. Right. Except his and, father's and, legacy. And, I, and so it, yeah, I think, I mean, George, I think George Lucas even said that uh, Django and Boba are effectively meant to be the same character. They're right. meant to be the same person. 
Exactly. Exactly. I mean, so, and I, yeah. I'm not a bounty hunter and I wasn't raised by Django Fett and right over there, I'm making yep. a cardboard Boba Fett helmet. And if I can do that, <laughs> uh, a kid, a kid can make a Durasteel proxy and paint it up and look like absolutely just a trick. You know, he, he, he planned the plot. He, he got the, he, you know what I mean? He, that's right. He had the explosives to put in it. Like making the helmet is the short stretch. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Mace identifies it. I mean, in that sequence where he's like, oh, it belonged to a bounty hunter that I killed on, on, uh, on Geonosis. By the way, I highly recommend that you go back and revisit this episode because the, the, the dialogue sequence between Mace Windu and, and Anakin is just like, you really get the sense of like how moved that Mace Windu is. He's like, he watched as I killed his father and Mace does not sound too happy about it either. Like he's emotionally affected by it. I want to talk about this, uh, the animatic sequence again, because that comes up all the time about the, the helmet dent. The dent and, from uh, Yeah, the Cad Bane uh, duel, the, uh, the animatic that never got uh, released as part of an episode. So I just want to, I just want to point out, um, going back as far as that episode in the Clone Wars, or even Attack of the Clones for that matter, the helmet dent was always there. Mm-hmm. It was already there. So we see it in Attack of the Clones. That that is uh, Jango Fett as he's facing down at, at presently. I don't know if that's when Mace is charging him down, or if that's the uh, the Reek is is charging at him at that one. But that is I think the, that's him leaping off the gantry. That is the uh, scene from the uh, the arena. Yeah. And then of course you see the the helmet bomb there itself. They both have the dent in it. And then we get to that animatic where suddenly there's no dent. We get the blaster shot and then several, uh, I've got what the empire strikes back. There's a shot of Cobb Vanth and then, uh, the new, the rearmored Boba. <laughs> it's right. a little bit like there. the, uh, the red spot on Jupiter. It kind of moves around a bit. Well, there it is. Right. And so here, but this is the ridiculousness, the ridiculousness of the whole thing, right? It's, uh, the whole idea of, well, it's not that the dent's not in the same place. And it's like, you do understand that this is a movie prop and that the movie prop from attack of the clones is probably sitting on some dude's desk somewhere. And we've had to remake the prop. So it's an approximation, right? Yeah. Oh, we got a comment. Uh, Oh, we do. We've got a comment this week coming in here. Facebook user says, uh, did Django Fett have the same aspirations as the emperor to live forever? through cloning well that's an interesting question and i don't really know what the what the answer is to that what do we know about Django? all he asked for in return uh, for being the template to the clone army was an unaltered clone which we we take for granted that he raised as his own son at least to the age of what 10 10 ish yeah yeah at least do you think that um, that was uh Django's way of of getting out of the game by you know uh raising a son and and maybe retiring from bounty hunting but just you know, that, that one last job to set me up forever. I wouldn't say he had uh, machinations as deep as the emperor, but I, I would say that it was effectively a way to double his lifespan. I guess so. Yeah, maybe, you know, yeah. Have the I think name known for longer right, after and, the fact. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps if he had got him to adulthood and then like, he would have, you know, like the mantle, like Batman, perhaps he would have been Django Fett. Maybe. Proper maybe. Again. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just it seems like his that's, father's name. That's kind of more in line with his personality than like a, an army of Django's or, a, or yeah, at least yeah, a, yeah. like an eternal life. I think it was just like, uh, you know, I mean, and perhaps the, he could keep the ball rolling some fashion, but I think it was long-term, short-term thinking, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. 
It certainly, well, but it certainly ties into the the emotional journey that Boba's gone in right now, where it's like, for a while there, I just assumed that you know Boba was just sort of you know the the line, the legacy line. I'm just a simple man making my way in the galaxy, like the the whole yeah. cyclical yeah. nature. It's like, oh, so Boba really is the living prophecy, right? And then now it's like, well, wait a minute. He's going to, ha- we're going to talk about it here shortly because it's coming up right next. Um, is they're going to have this uh, big conversation, this big, deep conversation about setting up the house again and, and, uh, and the wise. Right. It. And he goes into like the, the whole notion of like tired of, of uh, working for people who are going to get us killed. Like suddenly he's breaking the mold and breaking away from that. There you go. So it's a, it's a pretty uh, stark contrast to, uh, you know, is all the sort of, at least I perceive it as this affectation towards his father, but maybe it's just not in the, in the healthiest way. Right. All right. So we move on then. Uh, hold on a second. Now, where am I at here? There we go. Uh, right. So, holy cow, come on up there. There we go. Uh, with the ship, uh, uh, low, it spins. Oh my God. Yes. With the ship as low as it is in the pit, the twin sun's light is fully blocked. So Boba activates a small searchlight from the cockpit and he sway, uh, begins sweeping it from side to side. There is literally nothing but the open orifice of the Sarlacc with its teeth and tentacles to be seen. But then something at the bottom of the pit catches Boba's eye and suddenly the Sarlacc's beak shoots forward, attempting to consume the ship. At the same time, a pair of tentacles grab the ship's wing housings and begin to pull Slave One down into its gaping maw. With the ship firmly in the Sarlacc's grip, Fennec shouts at Boba, Shoot it! But the angle from the guns and their close proximity to the sand make it impossible to even make a hit. He's just making glass. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, right? Wrestling with the controls, Boba weaves the ship back and forth, trying to break the Sarlacc's hold, but it won't let go. Fennec tries to reach for an overhead switch, but the weight of her body against her seat harness make that impossible. Hitting the release on her harness, she drops cat-like onto the inside of the canopy. The Sarlacc strikes once again with its beak, unable to penetrate the glass. Now, standing on the canopy glass, Fennec is able to reach up and she toggles the switch. From the backside of Slave One, its mind dispenser opens and a familiar, uh, familiar piece of ordnance rolls out and falls directly into the ravenous beak of the Sarlacc. Mm-hmm. As the beak retracts, Fennec lets out a derisive fire in the hole as the seismic charge detonates. So good. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. I actually quite, I love that sound <laughs> every yeah. time. All right. slightly muted from its underground experience. uh yeah yeah i yeah. had the oddest uh, oddest thought to myself while i was watching this like watching the slave one not be able to pull out of its grip and going how the frig strong are is lando calrissian oh uh, i know to <laughs> hold on <laughs> just to hold on to the stick like with one arm like man, <laughs> holy cow maybe it wasn't that hungry it already had a weak way and a boba it had a couple yeah, it had yeah. A couple, yeah. I'm I'm not really hungry. I'm just holding on. <laughs> I'll just save this one for later. <laughs> or maybe what? Lando charmed him and he was like t- touched him in a different way. <laughs> one thing about that, I mean, let's just talk about that for a second. The the special edition of of uh, Return of the Jedi, when we roll up on the Sarlacc, the beak is actively like probing out. Of out. Me, yeah. And it's not in this. Like it's almost like a nod to like, 
hey, we remember what the Sarlacc used to look like too. And we we yeah. get that more classic sleeping Sarlacc, the 1983 look of it. But the beak is one of still the things. There. One of the things I liked least about the special editions, actually, the beak, the beak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it In was subsequent okay. versions, it's been it's been toned down and it looks more in place. But the in theaters, the original special oh, yeah. did not. Yeah, yeah. It didn't look good. It didn't when look you, good, George. <laughs> when you look at the uh, the beak thing, right? When you look at it, when you see, and I don't even, ha- I should have got a picture of it because I think it's hilarious. Um, when you're looking at it, there's some of the uh, renderings of this thing under the under the ground. It looks like a baby chicken with, yeah. the, eye, with, the, yeah. Yeah. with the baby bird. Feed me with the way that it's drawn. <laughs> Some of them sand squids. When you see it, you can't unsee it. So there you go. Look up the uh, Sarlacc, the whole thing, and, and just think baby baby chicken or like plucked chicken because that's what it looks like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the ground around the remains of the katana heave and settle, burying the sail barge even further in the sand. As Boba pulls the ship back, maneuvering it upright, the limp remains of the Sarlacc's tentacles fall off. When Fennec drops back into her seat, Boba glances sideways at her saying, next time, don't touch my buttons. (laughs) (laughs) Fennec says nothing and she just stares back at him annoyed, right? So that's the whole, like, like he was rhetorically the whole next time. Now he gets to lay it on her. Yeah. Yeah. Next time, don't touch my buttons. Okay. With the Sarlacc now good and dead, uh, Boba emerges from its viscera on a rope covered in its acidic juices while Fennec holds on to the other end. Boba remarks that there's nothing down there but junk. She pours water from a canteen onto him, telling him that it's not safe to go in there. She tells him that his armor had served its purpose by protecting him from the Sarlacc's acid, and what he really needs to find now is a back to tank. All right, so we've already talked about the whole uh, why does he have no memory of this? I think it's pretty safe to say that between the the whole, like it's been a while he was nearly dead when he crawled out there, that it's not that far of a stretch that he really doesn't no, remember no, being knocked out. pure adrenaline to yeah. get out of that hole being knocked out by Jawas. <clears throat> yeah. Just running on, like you say, pure survival instinct. Yeah. Right. And it holds, it holds true with the theme that he's, he was dead until he reached the Tuscan camp, essentially. Yeah. 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 And, exactly. You know, like, like thematically he was dead. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so later that night, sitting around a small cooking fire, Fennec asks Boba if he was serious about forming his own house. He asks her, how many times have you been hired to do a job that was avoidable? If those employers had only thought about how many lives could have been saved and how much money could have been made. Fennec retorts that if that was to happen, then people like us would be out of work. Boba says he's tired of their kind dying because of the idiocy of others. Taking it further, he tells her we're smarter than them and it's time we took our shot. Fennec questions, we? And Boba says, yes, I need brains and muscle and you have both. Fennec says that the offer is tempting, but she prefers to remain an independent independent contractor, although she says that she will do jobs for him. But Boba counters by saying that he can offer her something that nobody else can, and that's loyalty. He says he'll cut her in on the success and he will pledge his life to protect hers. I'm going to come back to it again. Like, is there something more going on here? Because that sounds way more than just a professional courtesy. Like it's a serious commitment to make. I look at the, uh, we've not, we've seen this in star Wars before the, the Wookiee life debt or the life debt, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole it was brought up in uh, not was not used multiple times. I was going to say in the Phantom Menace, it wasn't used quite well when uh, Qui Gon says this this Gungan has a life debt. But sure, I get it. Yeah. But really, is that what this is? <laughs> what what's going on here? Yeah, I think it's about the um, living with the Tuscans. He's learned the value of life. I think so too. Uh, and you know, um, he's it, it's. It's just a way, like, it's the line. Like, I can offer you loyalty. I can actually. Yeah. Here, and here's my guarantee. I'll, like, I'll put my, like, <clears throat> Boba Fett stamp on it. It's. Yeah. That's almost him from the other life talking about, like, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll, I'll protect you to the death. But it's the loyalty line. It's an extension of that. It's, it's the, it's the, it is the, it is the thing that um, no one else can, can offer. Like, an exclusive yeah, yeah, yeah. contract where, you know, like. Uh, you have a say in the job. You have a say in the in the process. You have a say in the money, and uh, that's is, that's not the everyday. Is know, this for these types of characters? Is this line potentially a reflection of the fact that he did see his father get murdered by somebody who got like that's the whole people who are get us killed? Could be. It happened to my father. It will happen yeah. to me. And uh, and dozens and dozens of times, like like. Again, I encourage everybody to go read the War of the Bounty Hunters and, and the and the utter catastrophe that the Han Solo job turns out to be. Yeah. And and the and the utter hell he goes through to recover uh the bounty and it becomes about just not even the money, it becomes about he's gotta save his own life and reputation. Right, uh, right. more than anything. And I think that's the stuff that he's sick of. I think this yeah. this yeah, yeah. The, the idea like clearly he's talking about being more loyal to um uh, bounty, the bounty hunter lifestyle, the culture, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, like, because he could seriously be talking about clones here. Oh, that's entirely possible too, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and and in the broader sense, he's 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 interestingly perched on on in in two worlds like that, right? Yeah. Um, so, and it could be foreshadowing, and and I don't think it's ridiculous to think uh, that we could have a romance here. I don't think so either. The other thing that comes out of this, and and I I'm going to talk about it later over the dinner party, is like. And this is another one sort of in the fan community that comes up about how capable Fennec is that she seems to be doing a lot more of the, the heavy lifting when it comes to the, the operations. And that could just be, you know, that is the, the, her role within the organization, but could they be setting her up for her own show? Quite possibly. I had said yeah, uh, a couple of weeks ago, she's got potential as a breakout character. I'd said a couple of weeks ago, you know, I, they won't do it because Boba Fett's a cash cow, but um, bold storytelling choice. Is there the potential for this character to die at the end of the season? And if he did, wouldn't it be something for Fennec to just pick up the pieces and carry on? That's well, interesting. I don't yeah, know if they're bold yeah, enough yeah. to do it. I don't think, they're I don't bold. think they are. No, no. I just thought that would be because they definitely are, are poising her to be more than just a master assassin. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. I don't. She's I got don't, enough backstory they could fill. Oh, for sure. You figure from the end of the Bad Batch to, to now, five years post Jedi, uh, that's a 20, huge chunk 27 years. That they could so fill in with yeah, story yeah, of her. Yeah. I don't think this is the end of the uh, the book of Boba Fett either. I don't think so either. I think there's yeah. more more story to be had. That's a couple right. more chapters anyway. Yeah. Well, Fennec stares at him across the fire and she says that living with the Tuscans has made you weak. But uh, Boba meets her gaze and he says, no, it has made me stronger. You can only get so far without a tribe. 
with the flash of light, Boba is back in the back to tank. And then uh, the next dream immediately starts, but it's a short one as he relives killing Bib Fortuna and assuming the throne. Waking from his slumber, Boba exits the Bactopod while one of his dressing droids brings him a robe. As he sits up on the edge of the pod, the droid congratulates him on finally becoming fully healed. That's the line. As Fennec walks in and retorts, what about the scars on the inside? <laughs> I had to get, I love the, uh, the armor stand. Love yeah. that. Had to get a shot of that. It just <clears throat> looks so cool. So, so reminiscent of Dryden Voss's yes. armor stand. Yes. From Solo. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they borrowed it. Uh, love the missiles with the gold tips. That's a new thing. The gold tips. Yeah. And, uh, Tem is looking great there. I mean, uh, all scars are, are gone and he's looking, uh, mightily greased up and, uh, ready to go ready Amen. for war. So he does have a couple like leftover scars that they leave. Like they might've been just so deep or something. Very yeah, 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 subtle yeah. stuff. But he does. He, he does look a little grizzled, but All that's, the, there's a key uh, thing Apache. there. And that's, that's that line from the droid fully healed. And this is what everybody's been sitting there waiting for. We've uh, been, we've been sort of speculating the whole yeah. show. We've watched him wreck been... shop a few times, not fully healed. We yeah, watched him wreck right. shop on Tython. Like he just, he dismantled a couple well, that's just of it. when he went through those stormtroopers with nothing but a, a, gaffy, but stick. a gaffy stick. Right. 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 And now like, look out. I'm serious. Look out. Now we got a fully healed Boba Fett going well, after I mean, a gang I, of pikes. It's on, man. I said last week there was going to be some killing, and I mean, yes, it did happen, albeit you know from behind the uh, the the control yoke of of Slave One. But look at the look on the man's face. Yeah, like that was a man who was out for blood. And I don't for everybody who's complaining that this isn't the Boba Fett I know. That character I don't think is fully laid to rest yet. I think we're going to get some more of that. And because there's a uh, imminent war. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's coming we're gonna see some uh boba ass kicking here pretty soon because we've only got uh we're over the halfway point now so uh, we've only got a couple more and the feloni episode is coming so oh, yeah. that's gonna be uh be a good one okay so um now that we can say that he's fully healed we can confirm yes the sarlacc did have lasting effects on him Remarking that uh, uh, those scars, uh, the scars on the inside, take longer, Boba asks Fennec if there's been anything from the mayor's majordomo. She, of course, remarks that he's singing like a yuzum, but there's <laughs> still no sign of the mayor. Uh, and, of course, the yuzum, that's uh, one of the CGI characters added for the special edition of uh, Return of the Jedi. That's uh, Joe Yauza, who was uh, an addition to the Max Rebo band when they redid the music, uh, and it was a duet with uh, size noodles. Mm-hmm. I still prefer the original song, but hey. <laughs> Boba summons for his armor, but Fennec says, just relax. The mods are out combing the streets, and if the mayor's still in town, they'll find him. But Boba is still insistent that he makes an appearance in town. Fennec uh, reminds him that war could break out at any time, and she asks him if that's a wise idea. Well, Boba uh, stares at her squarely, and he says, power hates a vacuum. Funny, I think we've said that too. <laughs> oh, I think I did something wrong. I think I've missed a I've missed a slide. Did I? Did I? I did. I missed a whole slide on the whole Trandoshan thing. Anyway, at the sanctuary, a uh, group of Trandoshans uh, celebrate a winning hand at the card table. Uh, Black Kersantan watches from his table just a few feet away. It's clear that he's been drinking, and uh, that's not doing anything for his disdain for the reptilians. 
but it seems like the Trandoshans are on a winning streak, as it were, and that just sets him off. Lunging at one of the lizard men, he tosses him across the room, landing near the entryway just as Boba walks in. Now, Boba stands in the doorway and cautious, uh, casually watches as Chrysanthemum pummels the entire Trandoshan party of five. As the lizard men try to gain some footing, one of them boldly smashes a glass over the Wookiee's <laughs> head, which gains his full attention. And Chrysanthemum turns, picking him up by both arms. Just then, Madame Garza appears, shouting at the Wookiee, I think you've made your point. It's enough to get Chrysanthemum's attention, and that's all she needs to launch into a litany of the Wookiee's gladiatorial achievements in an attempt to placate him. She had my attention. I, she had a lot of people's uh, yeah, attention. Yeah, just, I'll say that. Reminding him of his achievements, now she suggests that dismembering this poor, unfortunate Trandoshan is beneath him. Touching Chrysanthemum gently on the arm, she reminds him that his days in the arena have passed, and this is a more civilized place in more civilized times. She just became the Obi-Wan of our series. <laughs> Legacy line. <laughs> That's right. She continues adding, there, there, you've nothing to prove, you're a champion. Then, changing gears, Garza reminds Chrysanthemum that he has run up quite a bar tab. Now, there's a thing in this where she actually refers to him, uh, she calls him Santo. Mm -hmm. S-A-N-T-O, Santo. Yeah. Like it's some kind of nickname. Yep. Have we heard that anywhere before? No. Uh, it's, a, it's a take on, so uh, Dr. Afra calls him Santy all the time. Oh, okay. Or And sometimes Big K or Black K or just K. So yep. uh, Afra throws a lot of different names at him. Yeah, Santo, yeah, yeah. Santo is the first sort of derivation, you know, deviation from Santi. So, yeah, I guess so. so, and it's just a chewy thing, Santi chewy. I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Picked up a nickname, visiting the place. Santo. Times, so. It just, I guess that's the whole because her, she says a lot more, and I mean, for me to get every line of dialogue, this would have been too yeah, much. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. She does talk about the first words from her. She's like, "I remember when yeah. the people would come." So he, he's no, like, he is like galaxy renowned, like, like. Champions. He's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that you guys have just met him, and, and ostensibly I just met him in 2015 too. But um, he's already a higher tier. He's like if Boba's here, he's he's like there. Yeah, he's yeah, already yeah, a higher yeah. tier of guy than Bosk or Dengar or oh, wow, yeah. or he's you know he's the if you can't get Boba, that's the guy you want. That's you want to go to. Okay, right? so he's he's uh, galaxy renowned as well, if you will. So yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. makes sense that that's the speech. Interesting. So she goes on to say, but if he were to put the customer down and let the room go back to their fun, she would wipe his debt from the bar. Now the Wookiee shoots Garza a sideways look and without warning, tears an arm off the Trandoshan before dropping him to the floor. And I mean, it, there's a good wet sound and, and like <laughs> the, the actor who, uh, who pulls off the, the whale. I mean, it's not, it's not a Wilhelm by any means, but it's pretty convincing. Like, oh, wow, that, that did not feel good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. On his way uh, out of the bar, Chrysanthemum drops a handful of credits uh, uh, into one of the, the Twilight attendants' hands. Now, Boba, who's been mildly curious throughout the whole thing, smirks at Garza and says, eh, it was worth a shot. <laughs> yeah, preferring to pay his tab than to like... So that's there's two things about that seems great. First of all, Wookiees don't like to lose. And what she did there was she beat him with logic. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah. that was his... 
that was his way of, I'm not, I'm not about to lose this confrontation. So, and the other thing is kids, if you're really worried about that transition, uh, Canon, uh, their limbs grow back. Their limbs grow back. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an iguana's tail. He'll get it back. Just reasserts the whole Trandoshan hate thing. Well, and I mean, yeah, and there's that too. We could get into that. Yeah. There's also the, uh, you know, rip the ears off a Gundark or, uh, you know, Wookiees that rip your arm off. I know that we got the, the, uh, the behind the scenes thing with Chewy, but uh, this is what the first time we've had it like a real, like part of the production, a Wookiee ripped somebody's arm off. Rip somebody's arm off. Yeah. And the, right, like you say, Andy, uh, Wookiees and Trandoshans are ancestral they enemies. They are, yeah. yeah. So, all right. Out on the street, uh, Black Kersantan walks ploddingly down the, down the way, unaware that uh, Boba has followed him with a casual, hey, mate. The former gladiator turns around to face the challenge. But what comes next is probably uh, very unexpected uh, for him. And Boba says, looks like you could use a job. Facebook user uh, coming in here with a great throwback to the original. Yes, it totally is a great throwback. And we do love all the legacy stuff that comes up in this. As we've said many times before, uh, rhyming stanzas or cyclical nature of Star Wars, whether it's a... lines of dialogue that just get recycled but in, in new, or, or or arms laying on the floor <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah 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 it did have that sort of like uh, uh the wet noodly the the same sort of look as like when uh, ben cut off ponda yeah. Baba's and arm in the extreme of... foreground too the way it was yeah the most prominent sort of thing in the shot yeah definitely <laughs> i did like that Sometime later, back at the palace, Boba and Fennec <clears throat> now host a dinner party. Down in the throne room, in front of the plinth that Jabba once sat upon, sits the throne. Uh, besides the guests and attendants, Black Kersantan now stands guard. In attendance are the heads of the Aqualish, Trandoshan, and Klaatuanian houses, all of whom Fennec point out used to be captains under Jabba. She adds that when Bib Fortuna took over, they all chose to leave the family, that Bib was an unworthy leader with no right to the throne. And even though each of them tried to take over in their own way, they were all thwarted by Bib's guile and treachery, but only Boba Fett was the man to remove him. Fennec reminds them that uh, they all accrued wealth under Jabba and that if they would listen to Boba, they could do so once again. Fennec takes her seat next to Boba, and then he begins to speak. I may sit on that throne, but I have no designs on any of your territories. Boba asks for no tribute or quarter, and he expects to give none either. But he does have a proposal for the gathered crime bosses. Boba then lays out what they already know, that the Pike Syndicate has begun moving troops into Mos Espa. They have absorbed Tatooine into their spice operation and are slowly draining the planet of its wealth, a drain that they will surely all experience. Doc Strassi interrupts by saying that his family makes a lot of credits from the sale of spice. Then the Klaatuinian Don, who, by the way, this week is also played by Phil Lamar. Phil Lamar. Phil Lamar, who played the Pike uh, Syndicate leader last week. The Klaatuinian head uh, interrupts when he says, why do you deserve to be Daimyo? What prevents us all from killing you and taking what we want? As the dinner guests look to Boba for his answer, a loud roar erupts from beneath the floor and everyone leaps from the table. Beneath the table, the Rancor presses uh, its claws through the ornate floor grate. Startled by the Rancor, the LEP droid, now in the service of Boba, scurries off. 
And Boba calms the rancor by passing it some meat on a long bone and then asks for everyone to please sit. All the crime bosses look at each other nervously, but uh, they do take their seats as Boba continues where he left off. Why speak of conflict when corporation can make us all rich? And with 8D8 translating, Garfalaquox, the head of the Aquilish family, is the first to ask, what is it that Boba proposes? So Boba lays it all out for them uh, in plain terms. He wants all the families to form an alliance to vanquish the pikes from Tatooine. But the Klaatuinian Don objects, saying that the pikes have only challenged Boba's territory, so why should they risk their lives for him? And Doc Strassi agrees with him. With the realization that things are not going to go the way that he had hoped, Boba stands up and he proclaims that he will fight the pikes by himself and will make the streets safe again so that everyone in the room can profit. All he asks in return is that uh, if they are approached by the pikes, that the families remain neutral. Each family confers amongst themselves for a moment, and one by one, they all agree. And then there's this moment where, and I talked about this earlier, but Fennec, she looks squarely at Garfalaquax, the Aqualish guy, and she nods like they, they share a moment, the two of them, that she doesn't share with any of the other Dons. So is there something going on there? Like, did I miss something? Mm, yeah, could be something we haven't hit on yet. Yeah, I don't well, she, know. I mean, she did organize the meeting. Like, like, I, I mean, I get that sense that she she does the like, hey, everybody, come and talk to Boba. Well, and also she's sitting right next to him. That's so true. It just been just more intimate kind of thing, and she does sort of speak Aqualish a little because she semi translates in the yeah. first episode. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, they of all the three heads, they seem the most like. Innocuous anyway. Yeah, they were the most uh I get the feeling like from that whole sequence that if if Strassi and the Klatuinian guy, if they hadn't have objected, because he's the one to say, like, what do you propose? Like he wants to hear him out. Right. I think if he was to go first, he would have been, I'm all in. Whatever what do you want? Let's do it. Yeah. Because the other quite possible. I think that kind of puts him in a position where he has to say no as well. And maybe Fennec knew that. And that's why she went to him. Like, listen, if this doesn't play out, please, you know, just put up your own neutrality. Because if you say that you're going to be neutral, then maybe the other two will, will follow suit. Mm. Something like that. But I think it does sort of play into what you say. Like, essentially she is Boba's major domo. So like, yeah, the day-to-day operation thing that would kind of be her job. Yeah. With more oomph. She's the one out there managing, you know, like relax. The mods are out there. They're doing their thing. Like, don't worry about it on paper. It doesn't like, you know, when we watch the, the, the old school star Wars stuff, um, it doesn't, it doesn't really hit the uh, casual fan, but on paper with black Santon and Fennec Shand as his left and right lieutenants, he's just, (laughs) he's just made a crazy power move in the galaxy. (laughs) This is huge actually. Well, and that's about to uh, that's about to change. Whether it's for the better or for the worse, it's certainly going to be more robust. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, Fennec, we know that we when we first met her before Bad Batch, yeah, she was yeah, on yeah. Tatooine. That's right. Yeah, and she was taking jobs there. So who's to say that she wasn't? Yeah, who already knows? in contact knows, with that yeah, particular yeah. branch? Well, was she taking jobs on Tatooine because the there was a guild puck for her, and the bounty hunter guild was after her. So who knows? She's definitely, she's on both sides of the, of the puck, as it were. You, take she's, them and, and, you know, it's funny because she references the, uh, 
the night wind being too expensive, but in she's referenced in the comic book. She's never shown, yeah. but she's referenced uh, 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 a bounty hunter. Barlet Valance is introduced to Casu uh, Leech, who we, we met briefly in uh, Force Awakens. And he's a pit fighter. He's a young up and coming bounty hunter slash pit fighter. And he's doing very well. And uh, uh, basically Valance's upon being introduced is like, why should I deal with this guy? Right. And you just think Fennec Shan, but cheaper is what he's described <laughs> as. So that's, that's kind oh, of the name funny. drop. So she's, she's got some uh, renown to her as well. Right. That's cool. <laughs> okay. Uh, with the dinner party having been concluded, Boba and Fennec uh, stand on the balcony of his chambers uh, and watch as the crime families leave. Fennec uh, asks uh, if he trusts them. And Boba answers by saying that he does trust them to work in their own self-interests adding that his deal is a lot better than what the syndicate would offer them. He calls the crime families foolish, but not stupid enough to see that the Pikes would eventually take over the entire planet and that either way they must prepare for war. As the speeders pull away, Fennec asks Boba, how much treasure is still in reserve? Boba answers uh, plainly enough that he's got enough credits, but it's muscle that he needs. And with a uh, shrewd look, Fennec tells him that uh, credits can buy muscle if you know where to look. And then I had that scream at my TV, like a yep. sports fan moment when we got this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> and it morphs back into the Boba Fett theme. Yeah. 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 yeah, so, yeah. I mean, with the, uh, the whole Mando theme going off there, I'm like, <gasps> yes. So there's that going for us. Uh, oh, and then, by the way, it's uh, cut to black in the episode. Cut, cut to black. Cut to black and it's yeah. over. And, but talk about leaving on a high do, note. Do, 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 do. Um, it is the Mandalorian theme. So, I mean, the obvious the the obvious one is Din Djarin is coming. But is he going to be does, coming alone? It does open the, the gateway to other characters from that show. So, is as you say, is he coming alone, or who's he bringing? Or is Cara Dune going to make a miraculous return? Well, the, all that talk about, you know, there may be some resolution between the company and her. I don't know if that's happened or not. Are they, I mean, some of these companies are, are better at keeping secrets than others. What, but... Was this film before that happened? <laughs> well, there is that as well. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a window there. Um, I don't think we're going to get the grief cargo. I mean, now that he's tried to... He's doing the Lando. He's gone legit. He's, yeah, and he's, he's doing his own thing with that guild. Yeah. He's running. Uh, he's running uh, Navarro yeah. uh, legitimately. I, he wants it to be I, a trade outpost. Yeah, I also don't think that you're going to overpower the episode with uh, like uh, like five Spider-Man villains. Right. I, th I think I think what you're going to get is you're probably going to get Bo, uh, Bo Katan, and yep. you might get Costa Reeves, and maybe the other dude who that other guy uh, who didn't get named. I can't. You're remember. probably going to get you're probably going to get that cadre, <laughs> dude. And, and Din Djarin. And you yeah. might you might get Migs Mayfield and you might get that cool oh. droid he was with too. Like oh uh, I don't, Q Q zero, uh, Q90. Uh, zero, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, but yeah. I don't think you're gonna swell the ranks with like, you know, like my first instinct was, oh, we'll have all these Mandalorians fighting pikes, but what we know of pikes sure. are like slimy drug dealers. They're not yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't seen anybody go toe to toe for the pikes. So all we have seen is that the pikes need to hire thug bikers to do their dirty work we got a so, uh comment coming in here just on that subject about what about the smith 
and of course, I think that's a, refer- a reference to uh, the armorer character who is still out there somewhere. Uh, whether she's taken uh, to to finding a new covert, or right, and that's joined. the right the idea that they do return to their coverts. Um, yeah, it, it it all depends on the style of writing, I think, and how much of uh, how much time has passed for Din Djarin. And when we see him, is it the the question for all of us is is he going to be wielding the dark saber, um, and are we going to have to retroactively explain some of? Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, it is the way. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to have to retroactively explain some of what we've we've just seen uh, vis-a-vis uh, Mandalorian season, season three, three or, or future? Uh, I know that like with three episodes left and the structure, everybody thought the structure was a little weird. Why seven episodes? But it makes sense that the first three were uh, the origin story. That the, yeah. that the the middle episode, which is, this one is the middle episode, uh, is the power and responsibility episode. Yeah. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, it gives it answers all the questions everybody had about not liking the character. It's all laid out for you right now. There's like there's nothing not to like anymore. This is his. He's explained that I've changed. Right. He's explained that you know. And yes. then I think that the next three is literally the the three act play uh, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, all yeah. the trilogies are, and we're going to That's have right. a very a very cool and uh, optimistic opening act. I think we're going to have a really dark tragic Middle. second act and i think yeah, you're gonna see yeah, us yeah. win the win the win the race in the win third the one. war yeah and uh, kick the pikes out of moss espa right mm. so ex- expect the, the end of the feloni episode to have some weight to it uh, being i would the, yeah, the middle act very much, so, very much yeah. so i still hold a candle for uh appearances by other legacy characters so like the 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 bounty hunters from empire i think this is the perfect way to to get them in and and to to have that fan service moment that everybody's been sort of clamoring for we want more bounty hunters so there is that, sure. that uh, rather than garnering the the uh the will of the mandalorian people it's more yeah. likely that din Charn brings a cadre of of friggin uh, bounty hunters with him or even fennec i mean we got the mandalorian uh cue from the music but i mean the 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 dialogue is we can buy muscle and Right. That's going to be more than one person. That's indicative of we're buying bounty hunters, you know, right. There you go. Bring, bring anybody who's everybody. And don't forget, there's still that sort of, is Cad Bane going to show up? Is Cad Bane still alive? I would jump up and down through the ceiling for four long. So like if if they ever gave me Bosk, I would go (laughs) crazy nuts, crazy nuts. Bosk, if you guys aren't familiar with, you guys are definitely, but if if the fans out there aren't familiar with the Clone Wars, like Bosk raised him. Bosk, yeah, they have know, a they have a relationship. They have a relationship beyond just the kind of surface stuff that you get to see. Uh, then, so the, the question, Boba versus Bosk, that's probably unlikely because of the the relationship they had in prison, where Bosk really kind of looked out for him in prison. Dengar is the uh, Dengar is actually the wild card out of all those guys that he's on the deck with. Yeah. Uh, in Empire, Dengar is the one that he has butts heads with the most. Uh, I got a comic book here where. It's a real cool cover of Dengar fighting Chewie on the cover. I'm not right. going to reach for it, but <laughs> it's too bad. Oh that Clint yeah, sold. He'd be the perfect live action Cad Bane. You know you what done? though? Clint could be out there doing. You know, he could still voice a character like that, and I I would definitely accept that. Yeah, oh. body double him in, and yeah, huh. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, or it's, it's, yeah, depending on the life cycle of the clones. <laughs> 
you want to hire some muscle why don't you call sid well there you go i mean there's a whole i mean you have a whole mercenary squad of clones uh-huh. i mean that that is effectively what they became yeah yeah making their making their way in the galaxy post uh, clone <laughs> wars trying to figure out what the, there is, the new world there, is going to look like there is another thing that could happen here and I, and I, it, I mean this is a big stretch but perhaps um you know if when pressed into service, Dinjarin also has to, you know, look for help. He's not exactly, you know, he's the Bruce Willis of the characters we've seen wearing this armor. He just kind of scrapes yeah, yeah, by. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's possible that he reaches out to the Jedi and therefore Ahsoka Tano might pop up in some capacity. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, just one more point on the bounty hunter thing. Uh, and this does kind of, this gives you your, your grief cargo moment, uh, grief cargo being mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the guild, contact for the bounty hunters guild you know if if fennec basically goes to din Djarin and and she needs him and who do you got then din can go to grief karga and say who do you got and right. then that just opens the door to you know a, a, a yards arm uh list of people that we could potentially bring back in. see you would need or, mercenaries and the reason is because if you're going to go to war with one of the main sort of groups of the criminal empire yeah you're, yeah. you're 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 burning bridges oh yeah yeah right yeah. so you're, you're not probably not going to be able to hire a, like a a mercenary force but you're probably going to be able to hire a few people to train up you know you, you might you might see some organized uh tuscans brought oh, into the yeah. fold here That's it. so i mean i had had this sort of whole thing i mean we cannot, you can't talk about Star Wars without acknowledging the, uh, the, the Frank Herbert connection. And I mean, the whole Dune thing, Spice, obviously, um, the Sand People really are in some ways uh, an analogy for the Fremen, for, uh, for desert power. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, given Boba's connection, could Boba do the, could, could it be Boba is the uh, Jake Sully of uh, Tatooine and unites the Tuscan tribes? It's possible. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, he walks I mean, in, he knows their ways. That's the whole that's idea, a true right? daimyo. That's the true well, daimyo. There you go. Unite the people. Right. Yeah. 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 Definitely an interesting thought going forward. As you say, we've got uh, three episodes left. Uh, it's going to be a wild ride, I think, from, uh, you know, from here on to the end. Uh, and always, uh, we will be there to cover uh, every uh, aspect of it as we can, uh, even the ones that we miss. <laughs> well, here's one. Yeah. Uh, in the, I mean, I know we want, bosk we want the old ones but in the interest of introducing another new one sure we might get a grown-up omega sporting uh, some 99 armor i don't want to discount that idea i just think that she's so important of a character that i mean I, clearly the 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 game the long plan is is here for star wars television and and man this whole you know, there may be some, some rethinking about that and the way they do this, because if, if one thing has been, and I mean, we liked it. So, I mean, I, I'm not saying that this is a criticism for the show cause I liked it, mm-hmm. but it is fact. It is a criticism that the dual storytelling has been controversial. Like, I mean, there's, there's a camp of people that say you could have told all the Tuscan thing it, continuously and it right. would have been fine. And you could have mm-hmm. told all of the present uh, Mandoverse stuff and it would have been fine. Hmm. Do they want to keep going with that bounce back and forth formula? I think I don't know because if Bad Batch is getting a season two, I would say for the duration of this show, we definitely might bounce back and forth. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, but at the same time, like what you say, Andy, there you are. Um, 
with them already having greenlit Bad Batch scene two, I don't think you're going to club Omega over the head yet. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't think they'll spread her too thin. Uh, training. Din also speaks uh, Tuscan, so that could set up a training montage. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Montage again. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. It is. Yeah. Totally. Uh, like, you know, a lot of people, um, like Lauren, Lauren's, uh, she's not really into the Bad Batch. She tried, she watched it with me, and I, I over examined everything we watch, and she tried to love it with me, but it's the one Star Wars it did property. Not rub on her. Oh, okay. She's well. the biggest Rebels fan, she's the biggest Clone Wars fan. Um, yeah. and she just felt it was kind of like, she felt like it talked down to her and she felt it was more really? aimed at kids than the other stuff. I asked her, oh, she wow. never watched resistance and she hadn't. So, Oh boy. <laughs> like, so that's, that's, that's my one that I can't get through. So I'm sure that there are levels for people and maybe there oh, are levels are. where yeah. people can get yeah, through yeah. Buffett. I think they're mental, but, uh, yeah. Well, that's okay. But you know how it is. Give We've, it a couple uh, more episodes, then come back. Exactly. It's like, you know, every even time, I didn't like WandaVision after the first episode. <laughs> well, you know, and of course that, that was one of the big things that came up was, you know, you, it is so divergent from what we've seen before that you may not like the, uh, the way that they're telling the story, but, and uh, you know, I'm just excited that we're still here where it's oh, 2022. We're getting a whole host of new things coming. Uh, I mean, we're not even through this and I'm already like, I'm looking down the road uh, at what's come next, which we think it's the Obi-Wan series. Yeah. Andor. Um, Oh, this week, Star Wars news. Uh, yeah. last couple days, Mary Elizabeth Winstead Woo-hoo. cast cast in a uh, Star Wars role. She is coming to Ahsoka next to us. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So are we going to speculate on uh, who she's going to play? Cause uh, it's an undisclosed uh, character. Harrison Dula. <clears throat> So we got, I've seen three, three front running characters. One, uh, Hera is one of them. <coughs> Sabine Wren. Sorry, what's that? Sabine Wren. That's the other one. And one more. I don't know. Uh, I thought, this uh, one, uh, uh, Natalie ahead. Bordillo, Bordizzo has already been cast as Sabine Wren. Okay. I did not know that. The oh. other character that I did hear about was, uh, Barris Offi. Oh, possibly. Yeah, man. That's a good pick. Yeah. No, uh, Sabine Wren's already been cast, uh, uh, Australian, uh, Asian Australian actress uh, Natalie Bordizzo. I'm Sorry, sure. check it out. Now she's already been cast to play Sabine Wren. It happened. Okay. Um, and the other thing is finally, and I know you guys aren't as excited about this as I am, but finally, yep. Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga. Oh yes, has the a release date, August fifth or sorry, April fifth. Sorry, uh, this spring. Finally, we're getting it. The trailer, the gameplay trailer. They just like a four or five minute game trailer. Oh, that's great. Looks amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and then the uh, the company came out, and there's a whole bunch of people saying like uh, that it was basically made in slave conditions, and the, and <laughs> don't buy our game. Oh, no, because, yeah, oh. yeah, it was horrible, horrible. Like the crunch, is, yeah, crunch yeah. culture, they call it. Uh, we used to call it working hard, <laughs> but now <laughs> now they call it crunch culture. Um, but so yeah, there's a there's already a little negative uh, kind of press behind the game by the people who made the game. Right. I, I hope it's it, it turns out to be an, uh, I mean nothing it's probably not nothing but I hope these people get compensated for what they they worked for and I really hope yeah, the best yeah, for the yeah, creators yeah. without the creators we can't have all the fun that we have with the game that's right yeah but I am so over the moon stoked for this friggin game I, I can't wait well I mean uh, the success that Star Wars is enjoying right now I mean it's uh, it's safe to say I like those odds 
that we're going to get a whole lot more uh, new content uh, in weeks, day, uh, years uh, to come. So, like I say, uh, I keep professing us not to be a Star Wars show, but every time something Star Wars comes up, it just seems to generate the most excitement. I'm not going to lie. It's uh, one of the biggest influences on my life. So, oh. it's, And it's good stuff. It's, I mean, you know, like, it is. I know that it's divisive and stuff and the blah, 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 those guys. But if it, if it wasn't really good stuff, we wouldn't be here. We'd be, That's like, right. we'd be waiting until Moon Knight came out, I guess. Exactly. But So, you know, it's a, it's a pleasure. Uh, to really to be this big a fan and be served up this this biggest smorgasbord this uh, far on in my life because I never thought after 1983 at 13 I was like okay well uh, Robotech and then and maybe girls yeah. <laughs> and I no, no, thought, exactly I didn't think I'd be here at 50 <laughs> doing this and, uh, no, and enjoying it so much fantastic yeah well you know uh, as I say we are here we got three more to go. We've got Obi-Wan coming later on. We got a whole host of other things. Andor. Everything. Yes. And I for one. If I'm the only one sitting here in the room doing Andor, so be it. But I will damn well be here because I love that character. Oh man. I can't wait to see what they do with him. But that's the enthusiasm I have going forward for everything coming down the pipe here at us here at uh, Fandom Power. Uh, once again, I just want to say a quick thank you to uh, everybody who has been following us along from the beginning. And if you haven't, Go check out some of our other review series. Uh, if you're not up to date on the on the Clone Wars, we did a really uh, cool deep dive on the last uh, four episodes of season seven, and that's really cool because that's the one that crosses over directly with Revenge of the Sith. We uh, of course covered uh, season two of the Mandalorian the same way that we've been doing this, and we just did uh, season one of the Bad Batch. So there's lots of Star Wars content over on our uh, YouTube channel on uh, Sockass Productions for you to catch up on as well as all the other things that we like to talk about and there'll be more yet to come so uh, until next week guys for fandom power i'm wes i'm andy i'm hank and we'll see you next time guys bye for now hey guys thanks for listening to fandom power be sure to like us on facebook and follow us on instagram and twitter stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms fandom power as a sawcast production